Kiki Ra, and you're listening to For the listening to For the Lore, the podcast that delves into the craft of our favorite games, whether lore, gameplay, or even game design. Joining Roger from WoW Dogs, and For the Lore is Joe, writer for World of Maticus, and Enrique of Spooncraft. Hello and welcome to For the Lore. This is Roger coming to you on Monday, the 18th of January. With me, same as usual, we've got Joe from World of Maticus as well as Way of the Totem and Enrique from Spooncraft. Now, I don't know how your day was, Joe. However, I can speak for both myself and Rick and say that so far we've had a fucking bitching day. It has been fantastic. <laughs> we had... The interview this afternoon with um, Stephen Hewitt, KitKat, and Chris Collins, Dam from Real Time Worlds, who are working on APB. And that interview is going to be later on in the show. But I have to say, it was a fantastic interview. These guys rocked. Down to earth. Answered damn near everything we shot at them. And the interview was well over 45 minutes. It was fantastic. I'm glad they to hear it. They didn't have a lapse once. They had like an answer for everything. And we we, we kind of threw a couple of hardballs at them too, man. And they just like, especially Kit Kat, man. Freaking Steven jumped back at us with, we, we asked him lore questions and whatnot. And the game is obviously not very, very heavy on lore. And he just knocked everything out of the park. Nice. I'm looking forward to hearing that. I'm sorry I couldn't make it. That's it's, all good. It's one of those things too where like, yeah, we're a lore podcast, and they understand that. But like, they're very, very clear in saying that though there's going to be some lore and some some NPCs of interest in the game and whatnot. It is, of course, still a shooter game at heart. It's a it's a GTA that's way more advanced and offers you so much more. But even some of the stuff that they said during the interview was shit that I had not read or hadn't seen in the podcast. So it was kind of neat to get a little bit more information from them about it. So yeah, I day one, I'm buying it. They like as if I wasn't sold to begin with after this interview, I'm sold. I'm I'm buying it for sure. It looks like that, it's going to be so much fun. That's this awesome. It's like real happy. The game seems like honestly just it, it like a like a fiction writer's dream. Anybody who's doing like fan fiction or machinima or something like that, it seems like they just give you the perfect canvas to do all this crap. They even got a couple of built-in tools, like there's a you know for screenshots and even taking videos, a built-in video recorder, built-in voice chat and whatnot that's in there that's actually directional. As in, if Joe's character is standing next to me, then we'll be able to speak to each other in voice chat and actually hear each other. If he's a block away, it won't work that way. So it's very very cool stuff, man. See, that, that's really interesting. Like, I, I wish I could have been there to hear it because I've been reading a lot about it and I did a lot of reading about it last night and today. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I thought that stuff like that was really interesting, That the stuff that they're already integrating into it. And as long as I can replicate the scene from RoboCop 1 where Peter Weller gets his ass shot to death and, you know, gets rebuilt, I'll be happy. 
Well, what I thought was kind of cool is when we were talking and we were trying to, like, I know that I've had a different, difficult time understanding how it's going to work in terms of there's not going to be any kind of, of NPC police force to speak of. So you got your enforcers and your criminals. So I, as much fun as I would think it is to, you know, like I was saying during the interview as well, I decide to be an enforcer. I get a couple of guys to team up with me and then Rick decides to be a criminal, gets a couple of guys with him. And then we make it a weekly thing where they try to do something and then we try to stop them kind of thing. It's going to end in a balls out firefight without a doubt. At what point do you, does it stop? Do you just kind of get bored of killing each other because you basically respawn and then just go right back. But what they were saying is that there's, they're, they're looking at say something like a, um, a, a three kill and then you win scenario so that arrest instead of kill or or yeah or something like that yeah so and then at that point it's like ah okay so then it's not about just constantly killing each other griefing each other there's a a clearer definition in terms of when such a a heist or whatever can end so yeah and when i looked at it like that then yeah i can see this being so much fun again if we look at it in terms of like i i get a group and then we get a bunch of the Fort of the Lore listeners who want to join in and be part of their um, the enforcers and then part of them want to be part of the criminals and then we make it a weekly thing, get together and okay, this week go ahead and try something and we're going to try to stop you. My God, it just, it would be an absolute, <laughs> toss a couple of drinks in me and toss me that game and a whole bunch of people to have fun with like that. Oh my God, I'll be in heaven. And and like, not just a couple hours, I will shoot shit up for like all night and have a blast doing it. You act like we're going to have to twist your arm off to pour some liquor down your throat. <laughs> some days you do. Some It's, it's, it's um, rare, but... To, to answer OMG Sam, it's not necessarily EXP based as in I level up and I just got more stamina where there are no stats in the game. If you When you get a quote unquote level up, in other words, your, your experience or whatever, it brings you up a rank in your experience as in they will other players will look at that number, that arbitrary number and say, oh, this person is more seasoned. They're more of like a veteran at the game. They are a noob and you unlock um, different customizables, different clothes, different vehicles, upgrades, guns, things like that whatever just kind of like the cream of the crop yes similar to like modern warfare 2 you know it's not everybody is super duper experienced you know that you could see somebody's a level 80 versus a level one but you can just tell based on the kit that they have you know versus a new person one thing that they didn't mention roger which kind of struck me because in every interview even in the podcast and whatnot that i've read and seen um for balancing it's like the enforcers the cops basically have to uh, feed off of the criminals. That's how we get our, as enforcers, our quest done or whatever it is. But um, and the criminals feed off of the the city, you know, by robbing and whatnot. But also because the criminals are independent elements, you can have criminals fighting criminals. So robbers have a lot of infighting, while as the enforcers will not compete with the other enforcers. You get what I'm saying? So if there's too many criminals and not enough cops, that's okay. Because the criminals are going to be killing each other over territory and over over you know things to steal, et cetera, et cetera. You know. They did actually talk about that to to a lesser degree. They were saying how that's why when I was asking them about the balancing, if they were going to do any kind of uh, class balancing like we saw in Ion, um, mm-hmm. they're not looking at that because, again, you have that 
if if there is that mi- that many uh, people choosing criminals, they're just going to fight amongst themselves. And also to talk about the experience a little bit more too. I don't want to go over everything during the interview because you you obviously want to listen and hear it right from the from them. But uh, one of the things they talked about as well too is though you're not necessarily gaining experience as you're doing. Uh, quests and whatnot, missions for different organizations, you move up essentially like in rank with them, wherein they trust you a lot more and they give you more uh, responsibility within the gang and clan and, and whatnot. It, it was a fantastic interview. If you're on the fence about the game, I assure you, I would find it very hard to believe that you will still be on the fence after the interview. It, it just sounds too good to be true. Now, the the big question mark is, of course, how it's going to be when you toss the the the, the internet population on it, the gaming yeah, the population, yeah, and say here now what's going to happen, and it will degrade, <laughs> and it's going to be uh, an all out war. But the way they've got it set up, wherein you can't just go after anybody, you both have to be on the same kind of mission, or if you're an enforcer, you have to see them committing a crime and stuff. There's going to be a certain amount of control. So their beta is going very well, they said, um, quite well, the way they were talking about, and they're discovering things from the people who were doing the beta that they hadn't really banked on, which again, I I can't wait to try it. I want to see this shit firsthand. (laughs) The concept of leaderboards is actually very cool too. That's just a, another reason to kind of like promote more gameplay. Is they're gonna have uh, daily and weekly kind of like leaderboards, and there's like over 200 freaking categories. You know, most headshots, most damage, blah blah blah. Just a lot of different things that are in there as far as just more stuff to compete with. I guess kind of like a WoW has the achievement system, and then you know the arena rankings are one. Now we have other games that have different means to kind of like arbitrarily throw stats in there, and they were saying that they have just hundreds of different stats you know statistical information being poured out of the server for people to use against each other that's that's very 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 cool yeah yeah the only the only thing that i worry about with the leaderboards is is i'm and i'm sure you guys have experiences or well rick might not have but um i have a severe aversion to xbox live as a reason for something like that because then you get every 13 year old and their mother who Start screaming about headshots into their microphone and, you know, all sorts of other good shit and talking about, look at my leaderboard stats, motherfucker. You know, crap like that. I don't know. Oh, you, you, choose, you choose not to look at them. Simple as the best <laughs> way to, to – honestly, I mean, I I stopped playing Xbox Live because not – you know, I would say because of that reason because people just ruined it for me. And then I realized, shit, I could just totally, utterly mute every motherfucker that I run into that I don't like. And this is a big enough. I don't know. I think the world is big enough that you can you can get by without having to deal with that many. I'm well, sure the community. That, I mean, there's going to be, without a doubt, there's going to be a lot of smack talk, a lot of idiots playing the game as well. It's just going to happen. The fact that you're also going to be able to talk to each other, whether you choose enforcer or criminal, is going to make that worse. I I anticipate a lot of people. I'm going to mute. Oh. But <laughs> in the same vein. It's going to be very interesting when you do meet someone who's like, see that 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 jewelry store over there? I'm going to go rob it. You just try and stop me, you dumb bastard. And it's like, oh, it's on now, bastard. <laughs> like, that's the shit that I'm looking forward to. And it will be fun. Um, so from one beta to another, though, it'd be time to talk about the Star Trek online Brace for impact, guys. Should I I let you rage for a little while before (laughs) I Evasive maneuvers, evasive maneuvers. (laughs) 
Incoming Roger Rage, watch out. Shall I go first, or does anybody else want to go first? Uh, how about you go first, and then I can cut your bitterness with my take You're going to be so much the devil's advocate, because you don't want to say anything bad. Heaven forbid they do anything wrong with this. Now, oh, the, go ahead. the thing, too, here is that like I'm, I'm not really raging yet. It is still beta. I think part of the problem right now, too, is that they are... Um, they're rushing this way too, too soon out of the gate. It's not ready. We're seeing that it's not ready. We're seeing that it could use a lot more work in terms of the questing that's in the game and whatever else as well. Not even looking at certain game mechanics that though on the surface you think, hey, that seems cool. When you do it for a little while, it's like, okay, this needs work. Now, granted, there's still a lot of time for them to make changes to it. I can appreciate that. Well, I shouldn't say a lot. I mean... February, early February release date is not a lot of time for this kind of thing. But there's a lot of things here where it is a pain in the ass. Now, we're not even going to talk about the constant disconnects because that is open beta. Actually, it should be, in my opinion, closed beta, not open beta. But it is, in this case, open beta. This is yet another case of someone who does not have enough faith in their game to get enough hardware for it. Come on, people. You ha- you have to have enough faith in your product to know that there are going to be this many people who are going to try it and prepare, not have it kicking people off all the time and then saying, okay, we didn't expect this. We're getting more servers. Bullshit. That's the accountants talking, saying, no, we're not buying more servers until we know for a fact we'll need them. No, trust in your game. But that's an entirely different matter. Again, I can see it where it's a small company just starting off. But if it's someone bigger, an established company, no, have it ready so that it's prepared, especially like, again, we've talked on and on again, that if you're going to take an IP like this on, have the balls to do it right. Not having enough servers in the open beta is not having the balls to do it right now. Hopefully it will be fixed by the time it goes live. I'm sure shit hope it will, but who knows at this point it still is very hard to connect and play now when you're in and playing there's a lot of things that again when you're playing it for a little while and this and that you you certainly realize more as you spend more time playing it and you realize more as you are getting disconnected as well too in this case being those goddamn episodic content missions here's the thing they have to set it up so that you do not have to restart the mission from scratch if you are disconnected there seems to be a very short window of opportunity where if you log right back in you're fine Although that doesn't appear to be all the case either. Oftentimes, I have to redo the mission over and over and over again. They also have to work on this where when you first log in to or go into a new star system, if there are other people going in at the same time, you're all grouped automatically. There should be a way to turn that shit off when you don't want it. Because if you decide to leave the group while you're there... You're booted out of that instant. Okay, so OMG is saying that there is a way. I need to find out what it is because I tried and it was not working for me. So you're booted out. But then if you're in that instance and two guys leave, the difficulty setting is still set to high, which is makes it damn near impossible. Now, if you've killed three of the five squadrons, which let's be honest, right now so far, 
that's all we're seeing quest-wise as well. <laughs> where it's go kill five squadrons, go kill these guys here. There's not enough variety so far. I'm, I'm willing to say that my level is not high enough to be... I'm, I'm still in the go kill 10 rats level. I, I think I'm level six now. So I know it's going to get better. So far, wow, there's a lot of go cling five, kill five Klingon squadrons and bullshit. It's, they need more variety. But anyways, you kill off three and then two guys leave... The difficulty setting is still ramped up. You can't kill the other two squadrons. It's damn near impossible. That's not cool. That's not cool. <laughs> and then if you go out and back in, you don't got your nice three of five kills. You got to start back from the scratch again. That That's so not cool. I had to redo one mission. Well, fuck, was it four times? And I finally gave up. I said, no, forget it. Like, it's it's too difficult. So again, the the little quirks like when you 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 beam onto a planet and you're still a fucking ship. <laughs> They're having problems with that change from ship to human because you'll appear as your character while you're in space hovering over planets, and then you'll appear as a ship when you're on the planet. And it's it's goddamn you start hard to steer on a planet when you're a ship. <laughs> that that gets a little challenging, let me tell you. So I would totally play that game. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> just saying, if I was a freaking just ship walking around the planet, man, and I was like, you know, big Trust giant. Me, you'd you know, do Captain it Kirk. a couple of times, and then it would Very get old. Lighters. Yeah, it's, and, and <laughs> you can't actually shoot your phasers, at least if they let you choose your phasers and shit, that'd be worth it. But you're like just kind of hovering on the ground. And it's like, oh, for crying out loud, people. And I had, there's one uh, mission that I shit you not, I had to do it at least four or five times beaming back to space, then back back to space, then back over and over again, every single goddamn time I'm a ship. Everybody else in my party, pretty little humans and shit, all kinds of weird ass aliens. And here they're, they're, they're questing with a fucking ship. <laughs> it's like, so again, that being that though, that those are beta bullshit bugs that they'll they'll work out but the other shit that i'm talking about that episodic content is really going to piss people off i want a game where if i am halfway through an episodic mission and my wife calls and says i'm here with the groceries and rick can attest to this the smart thing to do is get off your ass and go help with the groceries not say mm. i'm halfway through a mission i can't stop now so no, 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 no. That's that's the incorrect <laughs> yeah. answer. And if and if you're not fast enough, and you don't, and she does it by herself, and then you get up, I'm ready to help, and there's nothing left to help with. You're just just leave. Just, uh, get, just, just take out. the blanket and the pillow out now. Seriously, oh, just take you're it. You're lucky if you get the pillow and the blanket. Put it on after. the couch. <laughs> so you have a very merciful. Life. Yeah. So that's what I'm saying. Like they need to fix this. It's 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 uh it, it makes no sense that you lose any of what you've done in an episode. I can understand how, because they're forcing you into groups with others, that then what will happen is that people will leave the group once they get their two or three kills versus the five, whatever, then find a way around that. Because it fucking sucks. It's stupid, stupid sucks. So we're going to stop there with me, but I'm reserving the option to come back to ranting when we start talking about character <laughs> slots. But that's going to be a little later on. 
that that is duly noted. I, I have a few things to say about it now, if I may. Are you are you sure you're done? You okay? I'm, I, I'm, I might interject as you're speaking and tell you you're <laughs> stupid, but feel free to go on. I mean, business uh, so no, as usual. No, no, no different than anything normal. Got it. All right. What you're saying, like the gripes about it being like the normal beta gripes, like some of the transition air bugs and things like that, I can understand. Um, but like OMG said, there is a way to turn off the automatic grouping in uh, the interface options. I found it. I forgot where it was exactly. Um, but before I start any of these games, I always go rooting. And I did find it. I did turn it off. And I don't have nearly the problems that you've been having. I've been able to go through the missions just fine. And I have no problem with it. Um, okay, but it, I'm going to cut you off on that one right there. The uh, point <laughs> of this is they've developed this automatic grouping mechanism as part of the game. So here but, we uh, have to I'm turn not, it not, off in order. Oh, I, I, I know. I'm just, I'm just saying. I, we I'm going to cut you off there and tell you to shush and let me finish. Real no, quick, no, no, no. I, I told you I, I reserved the right to cut you off. <laughs> and I reserved the right to cut you off in response. Now, and I reserved the right because... to cut you both off. <laughs> no, you don't. Anyway, you haven't even <laughs> blind, you dumb shit. But no, no, but, but and you're right. No, we shouldn't have to turn it off. But again, it's something that it is a beta and this is something that they didn't expect to happen if you go to the actual forms and i've been spending a lot of time uh in my, in my downtime going through the actual beta forms listening to or reading uh people's gripes and they're very similar to what you have as well as the responses from it um we should be getting a new build for it relatively soon that's going to address a lot of these things because it was supposed to turn the the difficulty right back down so i mean what's happening right now yeah, sure, there's a lot of bugs, there's a lot of little things like that, but it is stuff that they are aware of and it's stuff that they are trying to address. And yes, I understand what you're saying too about it looks like they're trying to push it out, but even with them trying to push it out like that, it's still a very beautiful, very fun game. So, Okay, I, I mean, didn't say it wasn't fun. That's not what saying, I was saying. I, I didn't say you did. I didn't you say you so did. You so did, but I no, didn't I say did. that. I said, even though there's all these problems, it is still a fun and pretty game. Um, but it is. It's still a lot of fun. It is still very – it has a lot of very Star Trek moments to it. And I don't know. Like I said, I've never had the problems that you've experienced so far. And I'm level five. Um, I haven't run into the ship on the planet yet. Um, I haven't had any difficulty with any of the quests. Um, I mean, I know I saw some of your rages and things like that. Um, but it, it – it's a lot of fun, and what really sold me on it, though, is the active ship combat, and I think that is one of the coolest things about this game, and one of the things that I'm enjoying the most, more than away missions, more than character customization, uh, is just the, the the actual concept of the ship combat itself, and you're talking from to somebody who, I, I've spent a good deal of time in EVE with their ship combat, and you'll hear about more about this later on tonight, um, or when the podcast is done being edited. Um, but going from that to this, it's like night and day. It's like having something like just uh, this bright, shining pillar of golden light saying, oh my God, you actually have control over what happens in your ship combat. And I like the fact that it plays out more like a... I'm trying to think of how to say it. If one of the bugs is actually really the best analogy, like a character in space. <laughs> I mean, you control so many different aspects of it that it, it really is starting to sell the game as far as I go, as far as that goes. But I am really enjoying the beta, and I haven't really had most of the trouble that you've had because I log in at 2 o'clock in the morning because that's my schedule. Um, but, yeah, I understand what they're saying. Like, you're saying that they, they said that the they need more servers. They didn't expect it. I don't see how they could not expect it considering that they get the numbers on all their pre-sales. Um, I'm certain that Steam, Target, Walmart, uh, GameStop, and all of them did report it back. And that is a little disappointing um, because they didn't have this problem with Champions Online. Um, I would have expected their beta to be a little more stable. Um, 
But yeah, people getting kicked out of it, that's a little bit disheartening. And uh, people not being able to log in during peak hours where they get the, the server busy response. That's kind of a kick in the teeth, especially Part for the time. Yeah, because it's like a lot of these people have spent like, you know, $50, $60 to pre-order the game. And it's like, well, I just want to fucking log in and fly around and ship and blow stuff up in space. God damn it. I need to go ram my Borg cube, you bastards. Let me go ram it. So I can understand that. And that is something that I wish they would fix because it's not really giving a lot of people time to really enjoy the beta as they should. So I don't know. But that's where I stand on it. I think... Right now, it needs a little more polish, but I think they're going down the right road. I really do. It's just they have to fix certain things. And from looking at the community and looking at the responses they're giving people, they really are. I think they are going to address it. And I think it, I personally think it will be fine by launch. Now, just to make it very clear here as well. Yes, I have some some bitches about some of the things that are happening. However, I still am enjoying a lot of aspects of the game. I'm not actually enjoying all of them. Let's let the I'm finding out the more away missions I'm doing, the more disappointing the away missions are turning out to be. Um, I I I kept thinking that the away missions. And again, I know that I'm very early on. It's like trying to judge while based on the first, you know, 10 spiders that you had to kill. I get that. Although maybe a little bit further because I still have put in enough time. It's a slower leveling progression than wow. But anyways, my point is, is that I, I, I understand that it's going to get better. However, the away missions as they are right now really needed work really seriously needed work when you are on an away mission and basically you have to go scan five glowing things and they're all in a row you get one you can see the other in the horizon run to the other one go do that run to the other one do that oh what what is that like that that's not a mission that's that there was no complexity no nothing when you're beaming aboard a um into a, a, some sort of building or whatever, it is very clearly laid out. You cannot get lost. I don't care if you are Spooner. You cannot get lost in this place. It's not possible. Hey, you know it's what? a You're very not clever. clean, you know? very clear directions of where you have to be. And like clockwork, you can expect that there's going to be mobs there, mobs there, mobs there. Oh, look, there's mobs there, mobs there, and mobs there. So there's really not nearly enough thought that went into the away missions. I'm sorry to say, at, at this early level, I'm really hoping that that's going to be different later on. The ship battles, though they are awesome, it's the same thing where you're getting a lot of the same types. All of the exploration missions that you go on where you got to explore like five different systems, star systems, are damn near the same thing once you get in. There's not a lot of differences there. Now, are they awesome? Fuck yeah, they are. Except when you land into one that's damn near impossible, even if you're solo. Like the hide-and-seek one. What the hell? Who designed this piece? This is the equivalent <laughs> of the Green Hills of Stranglethorn <laughs> quest in, in WoW. It's take that shit out of there right now. Just take it out. It does not belong. I did it, it over and over belong. and over again, even solo and with a group. It was stupid hard, like unbelievably stupid. When you have got a dozen of the, uh, are they Klingons there or not? I'm trying to remember if they're the... Hide and seek is Klingons. They are Klingons, yeah. When you got, you know, a dozen birds of prey on you, 
You can't hide from that shit. You, they're gonna kill your ass and kill it hard and fast. And like your your shields drop, like boom, gone. Hull integrity at 25 and they don't even finish the sentence and you're dead see and that's really weird because of the same mission I didn't have that problem oh, but then dude. again I'm a, ta- I'm a tactical tank I'm a tactical officer I'm a tank with an engineering officer <laughs> so my shields go down I hit a button they're back up <laughs> um, man I well I've got a button for that too it doesn't work that fast now <clears throat> when I played in the closed beta I was a tactical as well which does ha- make a difference and this one here I'm being an engineer that being said I should still be able to to do this mission. I should be able to do all the missions, regardless of what class I am. It, it, there should be a level of complexity and difficulty for sure. However, it should not be impossible. And See, unfortunately, some of them are borderline, borderline impossible. It, it, it really, that one mission especially, I was like several times, okay, I give up. You win, you win, you fucking win. Thank you. Congratulations. It's yours. Take it. Because I can't do it. See, and that's and, and, and one thing I will say about that is that mission does present a very interesting mechanic, though, for space combat, which I'm not sure if you if you just haven't figured out how to use it to its full effect yet, because, you know, whatever. Um, but OMG said it perfect. I mean, you can use things like asteroids and space objects I to did. block line of sight. And, and I see people doing this. I Like, I'm watching videos and I'm watching, um, you know, just myself and when I did it with, uh, I did it with one other person. I mean, being able to use it to, to control the combat and just, I mean, it does require constant vigilance. But, no. I mean, that's what space combat is in 3D. Oh, yeah, and I don't <laughs> mind that. And I did that. And, and, and to make it even more clear, I'm using the flaws in um space combat in in their system to be able to get through some missions if you are not only hiding but hiding inside partially inside of an asteroid which shouldn't even be possible but you're partially in them then you actually can't get hit sometimes but you can hit others and i can fire if i'm face first in an asteroid the, the 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 what's it called the disc portion of the ship will be inside but the um Warp the coil. boosters yeah whatever are, are sticking out nobody can hit me but i can shoot through the asteroid at the birds of prey that are around so like that's just plain a flaw that is wrong that's it shouldn't be like that so i i know how to use a cover system regardless of if it's with a ship or a first person shooter i understand the concept of turrets okay but that doesn't change the fact that some of this shit ain't right and they need to work on it now again when it does work when you're going up against three birds of prey and it's a hard hard fight and you have like one of the ones was it yesterday i think it was yesterday i had 3% of hull integrity left and i beat three birds of prey and it was hard it was phenomenal it was so much fun i like it was great but then you get other missions where you're basically corpse hopping you you you're you're there's so many that you can't beat and i've done this solo and with groups competent groups as well of four or five and you're basically constantly respawning your ship over and over and over and over again taking down one bird of prey and then you die because all the other ones kill you and then just fly all the way back again take down another and that is piss poor quest design in my opinion 
I don't know because I mean, I, we we how many times have we seen that happen? And well, we'll use Warcraft as an example. How many quests are there that are just absolutely retardedly hard that you have to come back with after you out level the quest with competent people to go ahead and do? There's a ton of them in the game. There's a ton of them in Wrath. Yet we still uh, people still come and, and flock to the game. I think that's more of a function of uh, the MMO rather than this game in particular because I see that happen in a lot of MMOs. There's this one ridiculous quest that needs to be tuned down yet never gets tuned down. And you wind up either corpse jumping or waiting until you completely obliterate the content through gear or level. Well, let's move on to the character <laughs> slots, shall we? Because <laughs> I want to hear you defend this. I want to hear you defend this. As it stands now, Cryptic, in their infinite wisdom, has decided that you are going to have two character slots with one more being unlockable, which is the Klingon unlockable. However, you can use it for Federation if you want, which then gives you three total slots. Three. That's it. Not three per realm. Not three. Three. It's just three. Now... Not that one. means that's not, <laughs> not one, sorry. not chapter three, but yeah, so <laughs> three shall be the number. Anyways, and that's it. Like that's just wrong. That's that's not right. Like there's there's three different career choices. That this means that you cannot experience all of the characters in the game because there are three career choices: your tactical, your science, and your engineer. And then there's the Klingon side. So basically, you can either have two career choices and your Klingon, or you can have your three career choice and not get to experience Klingon. This means you cannot experience everything in the game in terms of the the career choices without deleting somebody at some point. That is wrong. The excuses that they're making that it's a storage space is absolute bullshit. We're both techs. We know that's not the case. It's a money grab is what it is because you can buy more. But no, here they're only giving you two plus one. That also makes it so that it is not a family-friendly game. The IP is, but the game is not. Most people like to play with their families. If their families do, their kids or whatever, like like playing as well, having alts on the same account. Now they cannot. Why? Because, well, in this case here, I'm going to have my character. My son is already saying that he's going to have one. He'd like to have one. And then after that, well, there's going to be the Klingon, but there's not going to, nobody else can create a character or fool around with it. This sucks. It's a money grab and it is, oh, it, oh, oh, it, oh it's wrong. It's just not right. They're okay. already getting our money for the monthly fee that goes towards this kind of shit. Don't tell me again that it's a storage space issue when you can have 50 characters in 50 in WoW across various realms. I understand here that it's one realm essentially and that's part of it, but it's not. Storage space doesn't cost that much and it's going down exponentially in cost. And it's not about the database size and that bullshit because again, they're charging you more. You can have more. It's just you're going to pay. It's a money grab. It's gouging and it fucking mm-hmm. sucks. It sucks balls it sucks ugly ball like rick's balls it is that hey (laughs) i'm still listening kind (laughs) of roger's gonna have a stroke now he's gonna like (laughs) stroke off in the corner like just like was that an old man joke yeah (laughs) 
Right. So, so may I, may I reply now, now that you're like, you know, have, have you, you gotten it out of your system? Cause, yes. cause I'm going to make sure that you're not going to like, you know, steamroll me in the middle and I'm going to have to like whip you I or will. something. I don't no. care. Okay. I'll steamroll your ass. All right. First of all, um, let's the, the most direct competition. And I'll say this again, the most direct correlation you can possibly have between this game and any other game in current existence is Eve online. Eve online does limit you to three characters because first of all, it is one single persistent server. Okay. Second of all, you are allowed an entire armada of ships per character. I believe currently the maximum number of ships that you're going to own in STO is upwards of 16 unique ships. You'll be able to run your own fleet by yourself. So that's fine and dandy that, you know, they want to, they limit it. And I can understand to a certain degree why. And I'm not saying storage space is the reason. That's a bullshit reason that they're giving. And it's one that they shouldn't give. But Right now, that is the standard. That is the standard that they're working with. That is what another game that they're looking at has done. You want to have a fleet. You want to have a star base. You want to have a, a, a an entire guild of people with a fleet. Three character slots is more than enough, especially when you're going to have one character. Let's okay. say we'll, we'll round it up. We'll say 20 ships per character. So that's 60 ships that you have access to between three character slots. That's number one. Number two, the same problem happened when Champions Online was in beta. Champions Online in beta, they were only going to give you eight character slots, okay? Eight character slots that would then hold on, that would then unlock more as you. Okay, I don't know who it was, but hold on. Eight character slots that would then unlock more as you reached maximum level, up to a maximum of sixteen. This shit did not fly. The community was very outraged. They told them this is not enough. We want more. There's a this is an alt heavy game. So what do they do? They up the basic to sixteen slots. You start the game with sixteen slots. As you max reach maximum level in your characters, more slots are unlocked. That's point number two. That's something we may see happen because that is one of the things that is most active on the beta forums right now is people are complaining about the number of character slots. That's something that I'm fairly confident Cryptic's not going to ignore since it's already something that's come up before. Number three. That doesn't make it right. Okay, okay, hold, no, no, hold on. Hold on no, 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 hold on, no. Yeah, but hold, on. hold on, you get a chance. Yeah, but that, you'll, you're, you're going to go back to three. We're not going to, uh, it's like if you number say, three okay, three is, I won't. Two and one, shush. Uh, uh, that no, that doesn't make any sense. No, no, we're gonna address two point two just quickly. It doesn't make it right that they tried this shit with with champions online. That doesn't make it right. The fact that you are going to, I'm gonna try to gouge my audience, but then when they bitch and complain, I'm gonna say, oh, I'm sorry. Here we'll give you more. Aren't we good guys? We listen to the audience. No, that's not being good guys. The fact remains that you still try to gouge your 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 clientele. Uh, okay, now that you're saying that, I'm going to keep going now. I'm going to go oh, back yeah, to number yeah, three. Yeah, but it was a point oh, that needed uh, to be made. It applied to two. You, 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 you took what I said out of context, and that's fine. Hold on. <laughs> number three, when you started Champions Online, you could purchase more character slots after you reach that maximum level. You can do that right now. When you load up the game for the first time, Cryptic gave you 800 Cryptic points. 400 Cryptic points gets you two additional character slots in Champions Online. 800 gets you five additional, and they give this to you as options that you can increase automatically on your own. We don't know whether or not they're going to do that, and I have a sneaky suspicion that they're going to because it's free points. They just give you, you bought the game here, here have 800 points, go buy yourself another character spot. Everything else is little tiny shit like in-game pets, armor, uh, cosmetic things. So if you want to have more character slots, go ahead and spend your free points on it. Now, yes, I understand that you, you, you can go on about how this is going to be a money grab and a micromanagement thing, but for the people that really, 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 really want to have more character spots, I'm fairly confident they're going to give them a system in order to be able to do it because they've already done it. And they didn't have to. That wasn't something that was asked for. That wasn't something that they charged additional money for. That's just something they gave them. 
Number four, the name of the game is depth, not breath. Okay. You take one character. This character is a massive investment. You're taking one character from the beginning of the game. You're taking it all the way to the end. So 50 levels of experience right now, gathering ships, gathering rank. You're investing a lot of time in this character. They don't expect people to play a lot of alts because of the fact of the, the way the IP is. I mean, you're not going to sit there. You know what and, that sounds and, like? Hmm. That sounds like Final Fantasy well, Online. Remember how you had a one character with a thousand classes? Yeah, you have one character possible? with it's. It's very similar in that regard. It's very much like that, where you have one character okay. and you want additional slots. It's like one dollar for Final Fantasy. It was one dollar per character slot. For here, I mean, they expect one person to take this character and run with it, and fifty levels of gameplay plus fleet actions and plus the stuff that they're going to be putting in. I can understand why they don't expect somebody who's going to be nothing but alt hopping. The game's not really designed and not really intended for somebody to be alt hopping. That's not really the nature of the IP. So there you go. That's and it did. It worked really well for Final Fantasy. It really did. So I think I think personally, the three character slots doesn't irritate me at all. I'm going to have my main character. I'm going to run my main character all the way to the end of the game, and I'm probably going to still play my main character. And while it's easy to be an altaholic, it's so easy to level up. It's so easy to get your stuff to the point where you can be a competitive and play the end game content or, or raid or PVP. Okay, WoW is a different animal entirely. When you start looking at games like EVE, I, I played one character. I didn't have time for a friggin' alt, and I didn't even have to play the <laughs> game to level that shit. I could go to my iPhone, program the game to do whatever I wanted to, and go not touch the game for a week and I still couldn't bring myself to level an alt because the game had so much for me to do on one character and I think that is going to be the same case here I don't think it's going to be a very alt friendly game in that regard because it is going to take a lot of time investment and a lot of things that you have to do to bring that character up to that maximum level and there's going to be so much for you to experience on one character that's why I think it's fine I'm personally that's okay with it but that's not a valid argument to say that why? because I'm, I'm, I see I was just about to say why, <laughs> but now I'm going to have to say why. See, it's not a valid argument because it's just because you think that it's not an alt friendly game does not mean that there's going to be masses of people who would like to have different types of characters. Case in point, if somebody wanted to have both a joined triple as well as let's just say that they another Trill. race or whatever. Trill. Not trail. Oh, sorry. Trail. I was reading the uh, Sammy's comment about the triples. Um, hey, who knows? That might be a playable race at some point if they want to make another money grab. Ten dollars triple. But anyways, sorry. fuck. My bag is full of triples right now, dude. It's like I'm tossing them out. Enough with the triples, Christ. But anyways, there are when you look at the fact that there's three careers, career paths that you can go down, and then the infinite amount of different alien races that you can create and whatnot not everybody's going to be playing the game to be just getting to 50 and have that fleet it's the same thing as not everybody plays wow to get to 80 and then do end game rating but excuse me i wasn't point. done i had to belch hold okay. on i'm not done <laughs> So not everybody's going to care about that. Some people, it will just be about having those alts and being able to play those alts regardless of what they are. To limit someone to only two plus one, again, regardless of if they decided to change it or not, as it stands now, that's what it is. And in my opinion, that sucks ass. That's not right and it is gouging. I, uh, no amount of convincing will make me see that differently. 
And, and that's fine. And you could be that one of those people. But if you look at the, the vast majority of of people that were interested in this IP, it wasn't talking about how many alts they're going to have. It's how much they're going to be like Captain Kirk or, you know, how much they're going to go and hold. Kirk didn't have a fleet. Hold on. Yeah, actually, uh, Kirk did actually have a fleet. He was a fucking admiral. Oh, that's <laughs> later on. I mean, uh, early, right? Yeah, that was later on after he made a lifetime investment to his career. Lifetime investment is way too goddamn expensive. You only get two more character slots and get to play as a Borg. It ain't worth it. No, 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 no. That's not right. No, and, and I will agree with that. I'm not, I'm not a, I, I can understand what they're trying to do with the lifetime subscriptions, but I don't agree with it. They did something similar with Champions Online, but I mean, if for for we'll, we'll go we'll talk about that because I think we can both equally rage on that one. Two hundred and forty dollars for a lifetime subscription is a kick in the teeth, especially because you don't teeth. know how the game's going to. I fare. think you they're aiming lower. Uh, what do you mean you think they're aiming lower? It's not a kick in the teeth. Uh, oh, nuts. No, but they want you to reproduce so that you can you know take your kids and get them hooked on the juice too. So I'll say teeth. But <laughs> that's a little arrogant, you know, in my opinion, lifetime subscription is kind of a little arrogant as far as a gaming right. company. And, but, but that's just my opinion, you know. But hold on. I mean, we saw the same thing that happened with Hellgate London. People had a lifetime <laughs> subscription. Off and look what happened there. People got really fucked on that one. And it wasn't any any problem with flagship. It was just, you know, the company went under. They they It folded. Shit happens. It's a world with a piss poor economy. Anything could happen. Um, Champions Online. The lifetime subscription to Champions Online was $199. Okay. Now... That's a bit much, but when you figure with a monthly fee of about $15 a month, you're paying $170 a year to play the game. $199 is not too, you know, uncommon for something you might, you, you can say you can might spend it for a year, but it's a lot of money to ask for up front. And to kind of bait you with the, the Borg, that, that's just a, oh, that irritates me. That irritates me so much because it's like, I didn't get anything extra for a lifetime subscription to Champions Online. I didn't. I didn't get a little extra race or class that I could play. So, just saying. Well, the other thing that's it's for for Canadians are a little bit more pissed off. The 240 US when you are ordering through them is being translated to in some cases 275 Canadian. Whereas because of how close our dollar is right now, should be closer to 250 something. It's not happening in all cases. However, there have been many that I've been reading about where people are being gouged because of that because they're not going through the credit card company for the conversion they're doing their own conversion which apparently they're still seeing our money is completely sucking multicultural monopoly money so yeah no that's an extra little kick in the balls there but no the the bullshit with the lifetime submit uh, subscription is it's it's too high they're they're not giving you enough for what you're paying for and frankly it's from the in the in the same breath announcing they're only going to give you two plus one but oh look lifetime subscription will get you a couple more whoa no 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 again it's gouging it, oh. see but that and that and that's what makes me think that they're going to follow the same model they did with champions and give you the the 800 or so points up front to buy two additional character slots if you choose to i think that they're going to do that for everybody i think they're just advertising that for the lifetime subscription to get people to try to buy it which um, is not cool it, it's not cool it's i would agree with that it's not cool um, but I will tell you this, if lifetime subscription gave me my constitution class vessel that I could play for more than 20 hours, I would actually drop the 240. 
Yeah, not worth that much for me. <laughs> no, not at all. All right, we're going to take a five-minute break and refill up beverages because I need a little bit more to calm me down before we continue. Although the rest of the show is kind of cool. So we're going to take five, and we'll be right back, folks. Captain Kirk is climbing a mountain. Why is he climbing a mountain? Captain Kirk is climbing a mountain. Why is he climbing a mountain? Captain Kirk is climbing a mountain. Why is he climbing a mountain? Captain Kirk is climbing a mountain. Why is he climbing a mountain? To hug the mountain. To envelop that mountain will hug the mountain. To envelop that mountain will hug the mountain. That mountain, that mountain. He wants to make love to the mountain. Tough young guys, sinewy bodies in their fingers and teeny toes challenge the rock, challenging death. Why do I climb the mountain? Because I'm in love. There is a passionate affair going on between Kirk and the mountain. Kirk is on the Kirk is on the mountain. In order to create that illusion, sucking some of the most sensational men who not only climb are voracious, fleeting, and elusive, and peripheral, and that's putting me on the mountain. Captain Kirk is climbing a mountain. Why is he climbing a mountain? Captain Kirk is climbing a mountain. Why is he climbing a mountain? Captain Kirk is climbing a mountain. Why is he climbing a mountain? Captain Kirk is climbing a mountain. Hold it, please. Hug the mountain. Envelop that mountain with hug the mountain. To envelop that mountain with hug the mountain. That mountain, that mountain. He wants to make love to the mountain. And the climb is going where no man has gone before. Where no man has gone before. Challenge the rock, challenging death. Why do I climb the mountain? Because I'm in love. All right, welcome back to For the Lore. We have got our drinks filled up and we're ready to go some more. Uh, just in um, regular news now for the, the week, um, we did find out, unfortunately, that the Old Republic is going to be pushed back until... What they're saying now, uh, spring of 2011, came out as a rumor initially, but it was confirmed on the forums, the uh, Star Wars The Old Republic forums, that they are pushing it to the um, spring of next year. I don't know about you guys, but that really fucking bummed me out. It didn't really bum me out considering the money sink that Bioware is getting from me this year. (laughs) <laughs> well, they're not seeing as they're not releasing the goddamn DLC. <laughs> well, no, but I mean, they have the DLC is there. It's waiting. I'm sure it's just one, one button click away. If you bastards are listening, click the damn button. I need my Ostagar. Um, but like, <laughs> what? We, we, we have the expansion coming in a few months. We have Mass Effect Mass 2. Effect and- 2. Which we're going to be talking about, and I'm going to uh, I'm going to have to bleed right into it here a little bit because they have so much planned for it already with downloadable content that 
I'm sorry, Bioware's pretty much got my money locked up in two games for the rest of this year. Having a third one to the mix would have made me a very poor boy, very happy, but very poor boy. So I'm okay with them waiting until 2011. Let's go right (laughs) into this now. Granted, they are saying point blank there's going to be a lot of DLC for Mass Effect 2. That seems to be their new character or um, game model right now. They're doing the same thing with uh, Dragon Age Origins. Of course, they're not releasing everything, but that's another bitch and rant but rumor has it that we're looking at a lot of dlc for mass effect to everything from weapons yes. armor packs downloadable characters oh, oh that's freaking <laughs> cool and we saw that with shale for dragon age origin so it's quite obvious that they can do it and that they could do it well and so i'm banking on the fact that they have already integrated characters into the stories but not put them in and will release them as downloadable content same as with shale and the game is going to lend itself perfectly to that as well. And then they're talking about new downloadable worlds, full campaign expansions, everything. Now, some of this is rumors, but having seen what we have and known what we have of, of Dragon Age Origins, this makes perfect sense. Well, it's also the, the wave of the future for this type of games, too. For a single-player game, really, to thrive, it needs to have content injected into it. MMOs have been doing this for how long now with patch updates and content releases and expansions that you could buy year after year after year. You know, the single-player game really started suffering because of that because a single-player game, you play it once, you play it twice, it's the same. You might catch a few things different, but it's essentially the same thing. I mean, and Rick and I can attest to this after playing, you know, Bioshock again. Yeah, it's a fantastic game, but it's still the same game that I played the first time I loaded it up as it was the third time I loaded it up. So for stuff like this, like Dragon Age Origins, even though it has so many different paths you can walk through, it's still the same formula. Mass Effect 1 was very much the same thing. It was very, very, you play it once, you play it again, and you change Bishop around a little bit. You change from a soldier to, you know, a telekinetic. It's still the same thing. So by injecting downloadable content into a game, you're, you're really giving it a chance to thrive. I'm sorry, uh, Shepard. Shepard, not Bishop. Shepherd, yeah. My bad. I, I would have <laughs> loved for some Bioshock downloadable content if they would have had this same model. I mean, like, I'm I'm really excited for Bioshock 2 with any downloadable content to do for that game in particular. That's going to be very interesting. I like that whole concept. I do too, and I think I think that's going to be a trend we're going to see more and more. And I wouldn't be surprised if we start seeing announcements for that with Bioshock. I really wouldn't. Because, I mean, uh, Blizzard has been talking about doing it with Battle.net 2.0. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, They're trying to beat them to the punch is really the best way that I can really think of saying it because that's what they want to do with Battle.net. They want to release the content through Battle.net to these games so that it's like a direct drive release. You know what I mean? And that's a big scary thing to see Blizzard be able to do because that's going to steamroll a whole lot of things. So games like companies like Bioware and EA and and, and they're, they're kind of beating them to the punch and they're perfecting it before it ever becomes an issue. That's one thing that's kind of getting me is, um, I mean, I said a while ago, the new Battle.net is going to be, that's going to be like Steam for me, because that's going to be, could you imagine you're playing Diablo 3, you're playing StarCraft 2, I can talk to, Roger can talk to me while he's playing uh, Diablo 3, and I'll be playing StarCraft 2 and instantly invite the group, yada yada, that's a really cool concept for cross-background stuff, and I imagine they're going to let you download their games off of there too, maybe that'll be the new way that they digitally distribute their things, you know? 
Well, and, and and like I said, I think that I think we're 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 on a cusp here, people. We're we're at that edge where we're either going to fall forward and everything's going to be fantastic. Or we're going to go fall forward straight into a pit. Well, <laughs> with the Mass Effect too, and with the DOA model, wherein they are constantly going to be putting in more DLC, it's it's not a it's not a gouging your clientele so much as keeping a an IP alive whereas right. before with um with other games you had the modders did that to keep it alive by continually creating right. new mods for it kind of thing however case in point Baldur's Gate however now it's going to be them creating their own stuff instead and inserting it in and because they are planning well in advance that you know that it's going to be well integrated into the story. I, I I have no doubt in my mind that a lot of the planned DLC has already been in some way, shape, or form integrated into the existing story, so that you don't have to to worry that it's going to seem quite alien to your story, uh, to your game. So yeah, that was that was pretty cool. I was very interested in that, and I did. I do have my Mass Effect two pre-ordered through GameStop mm -hmm. the bastards yeah it was fun going back and forth with them screwing up but uh we got it uh, somewhat somewhat fixed but uh <laughs> oh the oh the joys of dealing with GameStop I I just stopped I have a friend that works there and even then I just stopped <laughs> the fact was that, that they said that if you pre-ordered Star Trek online through them through the GameStop.ca you didn't get your beta, but they didn't tell you that. You basically waited. I had to email them and say, I, did, I still haven't gotten my code. And then they said, oh, you're not going to get it because you ordered through CA. Where the fuck is that on the site? It ain't there. I say, cancel my order. They canceled. I Before just that, they canceled every... Oh, mm, ah. Anyway, moving on from there. Oh. <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyways, moving well, let's on. Let's go to the happy thoughts. DC. Greener Pastures. Uh, DC Universe Wait, is going to be having a comic, their Legends comic, where they're going to be um, giving you more information about the, the the heroes and whatnot before the game comes out. So you can you know a little bit more of what to expect. And it's interesting, having read the interview as well that they gave about how they're going to be giving you a good idea of what that world is going to be like and what the characters are going to be like through a comic book. You know, it's not going to just be about that, but it's going to be worked in there. But even cooler than that, one of the things that was quoted here is what I think is the most ex the most exciting thing is, is that if everything is working as well as we hope, once we get down the line, characters that players create actually have an opportunity to work their way from the game into the comics themselves. Now, I'm not a comic nerd, but that's pretty goddamn cool. This is kind of important because this is something that City of Heroes tried to do. Um, there was a City of Heroes comics that was released with the game that originally was framed uh, to give you the backstory of each of the individual heroes, the main heroes, kind of like what they're doing here. And players were going to earn the ability to uh, participate in the comics. Their character could be featured as one of the, the new heroes that interacts with the characters. And I thought that was always cool. That was always something, an extra little cookie as a little comic bird, like, comic book nerd like I am would have loved to see my character in a comic book. I, I would have, you know, danced and did a little jig and, you know, showed it to all my friends. Oh, I'm in a goddamn comic book now, you know, stuff like that. And I like the fact that they're, they're giving people an opportunity to do that. I think that's really cool. 
Yeah, quite interesting. Um, other news this week, we have the Ion's got a new producer right now, which... It, I, as much really as I would really... Ideas. That's yeah. the thing. They need somebody in there who's like, okay, he's been with the company for a while now. He's not a Korean developer. And in my opinion, they just they need somebody in there to throw out something to try and entice people like you and me who are just completely lost faith in it back to it and that's the thing too is as much as there's things that i hate about it part of me doesn't want to let go just yet part of me doesn't want to give up entirely on it and and there's a little bit of faith that probably shouldn't exist but it's there so how much of a difference this one person can do it remains to be seen but to me, it's a step in the right direction. If 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 they can effectuate change and make it so that the North American audience will be less disenfranchised with this IP, fantastic. Run with it. Run. Make sweeping changes, lad. So all I have to say is experience the awesome power of flight. <laughs> hey, guess what, guys? You can you can swim now. Cool, explore under the sea. <laughs> How are wings helping stop. you underwater? This is what I rudders. That, that's <laughs> funny. That is funny as hell, if I may say that. All right, next <sighs> small bit of news: uh, GTA Chinatown Wars has uh, come to the iPhone quite quietly. They didn't make a big. St- splash about it but it's available on the iphones apparently it's not quite as good as the ds psp version um however i did watch a video on it and it looks cool and i've actually i'm on like the freaking itunes site right now on my iphone and i've got it and i'm trying to decide whether or not i want to do the ten dollars to pick it up because i actually would like to pick it up and mess around yeah but that's still cheaper. Still cheaper. Well, it's still cheaper in DSPSP, and apparently some people True. actually quite like this, this version, this port. So it would be interesting to to give it a shot. I am a big GTA fan, so and I've been wanting to play this one, so I'm I'm strongly considering just picking it up for the iPhone instead of the other two. Hmm. Worth considering, but go ahead. Sorry. No, I was gonna say I I've been actually looking at it because I'm, I'm a bigger fan of the original GTA, the top-down look and whatnot with all that because that's kind of what I always played and then, you know, GTA 3 came out and all that other stuff. But um, on the iPhone, I don't know, man. I mean, the iPhone's touchscreen in general for me is just not – it's it's not there for me yet. I mean, I've played a couple of DS games. I like the way the stylus works. I think it's pretty accurate. People have said a lot of good things about uh, Chinatown Wars on the DS. So I was actually thinking about trying it on that. But um, if you're willing to guinea pig it, yeah, I could try it on the <laughs> iPhone, see if, it, see if it's any good. And, uh, and uh, you can just call up Rockstar and be like, hey, guys, um, I just got somebody to buy it for you. Yeah. Uh-huh. Give me money. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm a little leery about it after having tried out like Assassin's Creed on the iPhone. Um, the, the controls on the touchscreen were real buggy but there are other best. games where it's not as bad yeah not, like Assassin's not as Cre- go ahead yeah assassin's creed i don't think is the perfect example just because of the way they did it there are other games where it's not nearly as bad in terms of and i shouldn't say as bad that makes it sound like it is bad um there are some that actually make it work that it, it works well but the i don't think assassin's creed is a good example of that at all but a game still like Grand Theft Auto, even with the top-down isometric, I mean, I played the hell out of uh, Grand Theft Auto 1, Grand Theft Auto 2, Grand Theft Auto London. Um, I mean, I played those games into the dirt. Um, I'm a little 
I, I want to f- see the controls. I want to like more than a video. I want to get my hands on it. Cause I have, I have fat fingers. I'll freely admit it. I have sausage thumbs, but you know, and I have a lot of hard time with some of the games because they want very minute, very accurate, precise, precise movements. There are other and, parts of life we're in, you know, those same qualities will come in handy for you. I know that's, that's not a concern true. for you now, but someday perhaps <laughs> there's someone out there for everyone, Joe. <laughs> How, but I'm just saying, you bastard. Rude. <sighs> I'm buying it. Screw it. I'm buying it right now. Go for it. Cool. It's downloading. It Screw it. I'm yeah, doing yeah. it just so that we can find out. I'm writing this shit off. <laughs> oh, apparently this product contains material that may be objectionable to children under 17. You hear that, Rick? You stay away from this shit. It's bad for you. Thank you. He's bad mojo. Okay, it's downloading. Um, Protect me from the big bad world. Dude, I don't know how you can survive in Miami without being ass raped every day. That's all I got to say. Um, I stay away from South Beach. He doesn't wear enough glitter. <laughs> I don't wear enough glitter. I don't wear enough body glitter. I stay away from South Beach and I don't hang out with Sammy. Oh! Oh! Sammy! <laughs> wow. Okay, we're moving on from there. Um, last thing we were going to talk about actually was Lego Universe. They talked about oh this during um, CES, and we when we talked about CES last time, we talked mainly about the hardware stuff, and now this is something that is so worth talking about. The game yes. is aimed at younger kids, but I can see a lot of adults wanting to play this and having an absolute blast doing so. Freaking, tra- if the trailer does not hook you, then there is something wrong with you. There there just has to be. That was, if I may just say one thing, I don't know how this is going to play, I don't know how this is going to pan out, but that was one of the coolest freaking trailers I have seen with all these like big swing and dig games coming out, like God of War three, also this shit coming out, and I'm like, that is still one of the coolest freaking trailers I have ever seen. Was this little, this little you know Lego Star Wars thing? It was really well done. Yeah, I'm, I was excited just seeing things like you know the characters running around and like building the shit they needed on the fly, like the adventurers oh, going dude. across the the gap, and all of a sudden the bridge is <laughs> showing up underneath them. That and, was pimp. Yeah. That was fantastic. I'm sorry. I'm excited for this game. I really, really am. I, dude, I don't care. You know what? I am a I know we are. Oh, man. I still, dude, I still buy Legos. I still build Legos right to this day. When, I don't give a shit. When he was running up and they're on the bridge and he shot the Legos in the air to build the air, the jet, and then yes. just hops into it and goes off. It's like, oh, my fucking God. That was fantastic. And that one with the uh, would be kind of a, an Indiana Jones rip where he's running through the bush and jumps the chasm and then just does this motion with his hand tossing down Legos and our fucking bridge appears. Wow. <laughs> yeah, they, they had me at hello on that one. Then they was fucking awesome. Yeah. And the thing that they're talking about it with it, it will be now as someone with a parent. It will actually be a game that you can let your child play without worrying about the content that's going to be in the game. No dicks like in Spore kind of thing. They're going to actually be monitoring what people are building because people are going to be able to build all manner of things, obviously, with the Legos. So they're going to be monitoring that. They're going to be monitoring the names that people are using. They're going to, they're really going all out in terms of making it so that it can be a game that you can stick your kid in front of the computer and say, here, have fun. Because it's, it's a, it's a, an IP as well that is 
not Timeless. just about the kid having fun, but also being creative, using those pathways in the brain that is creating something. And that is very, it, very cool. It has the potential to be one of the first truly family games of the new age. And that's right. what's really cool about it because it speaks to so many different generations. I mean, we all grew up playing with Legos. I mean, our kids, you know, kids, your kids, um, I play with Legos. Future, future kids, when, if I manage to spawn at some point, will play with Legos. You know, it's just the way it is. My nieces and nephews play with Legos. My cousins play with Legos. Everybody plays with Legos. You can't help but be happy when you play with Legos. You know, it's, it's something that everybody will be able to enjoy. And I think that's really the cool part about it. And they're doing it too, where in they're not just relying on that. They're putting in elements of RPGs and things like that mm -hmm. to give you like the questing, the working together with other people where you can't build something together. However, if you build part of a structure and then somebody build one beside kind of thing, it can be joined. So you're working together as a team. They're doing things where in as you're killing creatures because you're doing a, a, a quest, if it drops a, a type of Lego, odds are you're going to need that down the road for something else. The concept of the you're going to need that Lego to unlock this, to then do that, to do this kind of thing. So there are definite RPG elements that are being tossed in that is going to make it so that it's fun for kids of all ages. No other way to put it. That doesn't sound corny. You know what? We don't say this very often, but I'm going to go ahead and declare Legos the WoW killer. Because <laughs> God damn it, if anything's going to draw that player base away, all these like huge games with their explosions and everything else, fuck that. Legos wins. <laughs> when you see the 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 old Victorian RPG Legos coming over the hill and they've got the armor and the swords and shit, I was thinking just that. I'm looking. <gasps> Oh my God! It's like tier nine. <laughs> like, yeah, look at that shit. Like that. <laughs> I want that to bard. It was fantastic. That, that was actually pretty damn. <laughs> I mean, toned it out. Like that actually was my favorite part when because I that was the one I primarily played with as a kid. <laughs> was the, the, the freaking like knights and castle Legos, you know? Dude, I, I, I think that was bad as shit. I could walk one room over and have a castle ready to go. <laughs> the thing that's really cool here too is that we already know that um, Lego licenses a variety of different IPs. They're not afraid of licensing whether it's Star Wars or, or Indiana Jones or any number of things. Can you imagine all of the inserted content that they can do into an MMO, whether it's for holiday events or just for fun, where they toss in all of a sudden there's going to be this massive raid or whatever for kids and us. <laughs> there's going to be, you know, whether it's Star Wars base or whatever base or whatever, the, the Batman, all manner of things. It's like, oh my God, the potential is endless to just have fun. And frankly, really, are we having that much fun in MMOs nowadays? No, not comparatively speaking. I mean, we have tons of things to gripe about, but again, I don't think I could have anything that I could be angry about with Legos. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see here. Um, geez, what do they got? Uh, Lego Bionicle, Star Wars. They have the space ones. Indiana Jones. They have Atlantis. Um, Atlantis. They have Batman. They have Harry Potter, for Christ's sake. They have every single kind of SpongeBob freaking SquarePants. Uh, Transformers. Some spy thing. Transformers. I mean, the list goes on and on. And now, there's on no saying they're going to put that in. They may, oh, Obviously, no, it's a different so. kind of licensing however they've made it quite obvious that that it, they're not afraid of going after 
different IPs to get the licensing to put in, which is why we have a Lego Star Wars game that fucking rocks in the Lego yeah, Indiana Jones. that game is actually Jones. really good. They're fantastic. Yeah, so yeah, no, I this has got win all over it. This is one of the few games, along with like the Star Wars: The Old Republic, that I'm actually looking at and thinking this would be a game that I'd pick up two copies so that my son and I could play at the same time on different computers and just have a blast. Hell, this is a must-buy for me. I'm buying it. That's for damn sure. <laughs> all right, and with that, we're going to call it a wrap for this evening, folks. Thank you for coming out. <laughs> After the little break here, we're going to have the interview with the guys from Real Time Worlds who worked on APB. It was a fantastic interview. Make sure to listen. And we're also going to have a feature from Joe that's going to be on the differences between ship combat in Star Trek Online as it stands now versus EVE Online. So thanks again for joining us next week. Same time, quarter to six pre-show. And we'll see you then. Later. Bye. Just as he's right, they just heard my tongue is gonna ride. I'll tell them what that is. So we've got Stephen Hewitt, aka Kit Kat, and Chris Collins, aka Dam, who have joined us this evening. Welcome, guys. How are you doing? Hi, it's Graham. I'm doing not too badly at all. Okay, why don't yeah, you. I'm, I'm, in, I'm impressed, first of all, you pronounced my um, acronym right. It's Dam. Well done. Well, we've been watching the podcast. We've been really enjoying the podcast that you've been putting out. Um, a lot more developers are getting into really in every opportunity, whether it's Twitter or whatever, to hit the social media. And you guys have chosen to go ballistic with your, your podcast. And by doing so, you really allow us to get a fairly good view of what is going on behind the scenes, which is much appreciated. It's fantastic. And they're very well produced and well done and enjoyable. So you're not like sitting through something that isn't fun to watch. <laughs> Glad to enjoy them. Yeah. So why don't you guys take a minute and tell us what you guys do for real time worlds and uh, what it entails, what's your job and what it entails. And we'll start with you, Steven. Okay, um, I'm the lead creative designer on APB, so really my job is to make sure that there's story in the game, and uh, I'm sort of in charge of all the text, uh, making sure we've got scripts for VO, uh, and making sure that the story is sort of represented in the actual gameplay and the environments, all these sorts of things. Um, so, I mean, I've done other, you know, there's other bits and pieces that uh, go with my job or sort of lumped in with my job, but that's probably uh, my main focus. Okay, and Chris? Um, so, yeah, I'm the community officer on APB right now. Um, and basically, it's my job to put my excitement across to all the players uh, or potential players for APB. Because um, at the end of the day, I'm just an excited kid who uh, gets to spend all his time hanging around video game developers uh, <laughs> and tell everyone else how awesome the game is. It's a pretty sweet job, is what you're getting at. Yeah, I enjoy it. <laughs> um, how did the two of you guys actually start in real time worlds? Um, I mean, I uh, I actually initially did some uh, text work for the, the sort of company that was pre uh, Real Time Worlds, and uh, then managed to sort of get a call back, and uh, they were sort of starting working on APB, and then uh, I got a job sort of uh, uh, working on the initial design actually for APB. Uh, so I've actually been with the company quite a long time, and then uh, I've sort of moved more into the, the sort of creative role that I'm doing just now. Cool, and Chris. Yeah, I um, graduated from university um, and pretty much went straight into working in the community field over at um, a large European publisher who do a lot of uh, European wings of uh, well-known online games such as Lord of the Rings Online, etc. Um, and really, I just played a lot of Crackdown, played a lot of you know games like Grand Theft Auto that Dave Jones 
uh, developed originally in um, as soon as I saw they were hiring for community positions, I kind of leapt at it because it's a it's an exciting project and an exciting company to be a part of. Yeah, definitely. That being said, now how about you guys give us a rundown on APB as it stands now? So um, APB, as we stand, we are currently in a very closed stage of uh, a beta. Um, it's an exciting time for us because I've been involved with a lot of sort of online games and, and betas in the past, but really APB, because it's so new and so what well, we like to feel very unique, um, the beta stage is very, very important to us because it's it's really the, the first time we have a lot of players in the game trying it out, um, you know, seeing what they get, what they don't get, what they enjoy, what they don't enjoy. Um, and it's really helping steer the, the final direction for APB. Right, well, one thing I was kind of wondering, it's been said that uh, APB is not going to have like one main kind of like overarching story, you know, that the player takes part. You play all these other games like World of the Rings and, and World of Warcraft and whatnot, these online games. They have one main kind of plot that everybody focuses on. Yeah. So APB being different than that, it looks – for me, I've been – I'm a fanatic. I mean it looks amazing on paper because it's going to let us get really creative with what we're doing with the story, you know, with the built-in editor and all that other stuff, the built-in uh, video recording and whatnot. So how exactly though are you guys going to keep the players on track? You know, how are you going to get the players to keep learning more about the story? So, I mean, what we tried to make sure that we were doing with APB was that there wasn't some sort of almost, I suppose, like, uh, you know, giant, massive overarching thing like an asteroid about to hit Earth or something like that. Uh, Mostly because, I mean, A, you get a lot of people that might not like your particular story, and B, that uh, obviously we want to make sure that we're sort of supporting the players themselves and making their own stories within the game. So what we wanted to do was make sure that we created a very interesting environment, a very interesting world with lots of interesting characters in it, uh, but make sure that the players could then kind of make their own, you know, take those bits and pieces and do their own sort of thing with them. Um, so without trying to be, you know, dictating a very definite thing that they had to do. Uh, so obviously, I mean, the, the game is very much about creativity. So, you know, we didn't want to say, well, you have to play in one of our only, you know, our, our four only uh, sort of organizations or, you know, you have to look like this particular contact because, you know, if you wanted to, I mean, if you wanted to play a character that looks like the Mafia or you want to play a character that looks like, you know, a kind of American, sort of standard American gang member or you want to look like one of the characters that we've kind of designed, uh, then there's the sort of ultimate freedom to do that. Um, so... Well, we've more or less designed, I suppose, is a story that uh, permeates the environment, and uh, it's the kind of thing you'll pick it up as you play the game. So, if you're driving, you know, you'll see cars going past with, you know, parts that, you know, almost I suppose the story sort of on them. Uh, in terms of, you know, some of the brands and things we've developed, uh, you'll see, you know, like when you start talking to the contacts, you start to pick up some of the things that are going on in the city. So, really, you want to make sure that, you know, we could take a story that you could sort of break down to sort of almost bite-sized pieces. And either you experience that through some of the mission play, or you might experience it through just you know just wandering around the environment and some of the things that some of the NPCs are wandering around are saying. Uh, you might see particular sort of signs or shop frontages and things. Uh, so we're trying to make sure that you know the the, the story is kind of almost like kind of an immersive experience. Uh, and also, obviously, because it's massive multiplayer online, this is not a, a kind of a single player game. Uh, so it has to be something which supports all the storylines that everybody else wants to kind of make, you know, and if the players want to sort of take things in a kind of a different direction, that's fine. Um, while, you know, but that, although obviously we have to have some sort of structure to things and something that's going to get people going and, uh, you know, and if they like it, they can follow it. And if they don't like it, they can kind of do their own thing and, and uh, everybody's supported together in the same space. How much um, interaction are you going to be able to have with 
um, the game, not with the other players, but with the game, be it NBC or, or whatever, in terms of being able to then create your own stories that you want to do. Um, and I'm not talking the missions that you're going to be giving and whatnot, but are like just as an example. If I choose to be an enforcer and Rick, because he's a punk ass bitch, wants to be a criminal here <laughs> and he decides that yeah. he's just going to plan a heist. Is there an opportunity yeah. that's not mission based that he can just spot a, a, like a jewelry store and have the opportunity to plan such a thing? Or is it going to be much more limited in terms of who you can interact with? We do have uh, support for what we kind of call uh, open world activities. So there is actually uh, a number of different things that you can do in the game that are kind of, you know, the same sort of things you're describing. So, if, you know, for instance, if you're sort of driving along and spot a nice looking jewelry store, I mean, you can ram raid the front of that store, uh, pick up a bunch of loot and then go deliver it off. And nice. to get sort of credit and cash for that. So there is going to be stuff, you know, you can see, you know, if you're a criminal wandering along, you see like, a, you know, an NPC there, you know, you can kind of, uh, you can wander over and mug that person, uh, take their wallet or whatever uh, and, and run away with so there is stuff where you can do it kind of off you know um you know it's not uh, rigidly structured in terms of you know like a very definite mission and you have to do it our way uh there are opportunities to to sort of do some of some of these more sort of emergent things that sounds like a lot of fun and for the record i do i do like my jewelry you know so i mean that might be something <laughs> yeah. i end up doing but um, yourself up some snazzy items the next time you're in. <laughs> well, one thing you said that um that hit me was a while back where you said there's a lot of important things happening with the characters and you know the personalities and in, in the yes. store in the city, and that everything kind of interweaves together to make just one big narrative. So you know you kind of know the whole story of the city from everybody. Um, yes. How is it that you're going to connect those? I mean, we're going to get like uh, in-game cinematic kind of cutscenes. Uh, you mentioned voice acting, or is it going to be like your typical? You know, you go to an MMO and you get a, a a big block of text and you're you're talking through it. I mean, is it just going to be a combination of all that? It's kind of a combination, I suppose. I mean, one of the things we're trying to do is actually when you say the, the big block of text, it's something we're trying to avoid, like the plague. I mean, uh, there's a level where you know uh, there's opportunities to do bigger blocks of text where people are kind of in, in a good position to be able to read that text. But obviously, as an action game, you know, there's times when you're just not going to be. Uh, you know, available basically to read large tracts of text. And I think in various other games I've seen, I think that's one of the mistakes they made. Where uh, you know, even if you are, if, even if you are interested in the in the environment and the lore, you know, sometimes you just don't want to have to wade through loads and loads of stuff. You know, so for us, it's it's about trying to break it down to little bitty pieces uh, that you know that you gradually sort of pick up over time. Um, you know, and then you know things like you know it's like I was saying where. Uh, you'll start to learn more about what the, you know the contact personalities through some of the stuff they say when you take on a mission, some of the stuff they do. Uh, you know the you know, like I say if you go, if you're sort of like come in contact with Living City when you start firing a gun or doing certain things, uh, they they respond in certain ways. Uh, like the kind of concepts involved in some of the missions and things as well. Uh, one of the things we wanted to do is you know so say for instance in San Para in the in the city that the game set, uh, we wanted to make sure that uh, for instance they almost emphasizes the kind of natural trends you might have in a normal, like a modern day city now, but kind of like emphasizes them and makes them a bit more theatrical. So for instance, you know, here, I suppose, you know, like modern day, everybody's into like buying their consumer goods. In San Paolo, it's, it's a massively important thing to people. It's almost if you don't have the right pair of shoes, you don't have the right pair of, you know, like pair of trousers, then it's almost like you can be a social pariah. Uh, so there's, there's stuff where, you know, uh, it's, it's, these things are taken to, to almost a, a kind of like a bigger, more larger than life degree. Uh, while 
um, you know, um, but building really on sort of real life concepts that you've heard of, uh, which in a way I think makes it kind of stronger. It's like you, you kind of think like that kind of almost sounds familiar, but it's kind of funny or it's kind of more exaggerated or it kind of just feels a little bit bigger. Now, when you're talking about it in terms of the, um, again, it's it's a lot more about your interaction with the other players and still somewhat guided by missions and other things in, in the game. Are you, Have you built it in such a way that it's going to be open to adding... Um, new new NPCs at times that then play a bigger role. So periodically, someone can, can arrive to Sampero that is going to be important. They're not an actual player, it's an NPC, and then from there you can sprout new missions, new content, new everything else. For sure, yes. I mean, you know, certainly one of the things we've done with, uh, with the, well, one of the things we had to do with APB actually is we had to be sort of fairly sensible about some of the stuff we were putting into it for launch because in a way it's, it, it's got... You know, having worked on it for for quite a long time, it's, it, there's so many things that we could put in this game, and it's just. Uh, so what was I saying again? Uh, I well, think you were saying talking about the scope and how we've had to kind of rein things back in from. Oh, that's right. And you were asking about you know, like you could have an NPC turn up. Yeah, I mean, certainly that's the type of thing you know that we are actually very interested in uh, for like sort of like future development of the game is trying to uh, in a way, like I suppose one of the main remits of the story stuff was to really put a really big broad platform into the city where almost essentially to me it was really bringing uh, all the stories and all the sort of history of the city all bang up to date so it's almost like if you if you sort of listen to all the things and see all the things and like get involved in all the stuff, you start to realize, you know, who's out for who, uh, who's, you know, not happy about somebody else, you know, uh, all these sorts of things. And then from there, it's almost, you know, you now know kind of how, what the city's like. Uh, but we've also placed a lot of things in the storyline where we can develop it. So, you know, we can take things further on in terms of like this person really hates that other person and then they decided to try and do something about that or, you know, somebody new turns up in the city or they're waiting for things to sort of kick off. Um, so uh, it's certainly something we're, we're going to be looking at in the future. Yeah, I uh, in an in interview with uh, EJ, he was saying that uh, maybe we want to do zombie things or put some PvE in where so- you have AI control components. And I, what I'm reading in my head yeah. is holiday events. So yes. where you can just for a couple of weeks insert random crazy shit to make it so that yeah. you, you're kind of stirring things up. Yeah, I mean, for sure. I mean, for last year, I think, again, you know, there's, there's plenty of opportunity to, uh, to do things like that. Uh, and given this, the nature of the, of the, I suppose, the environment and the sort of stories we can tell, then that kind of stuff is definitely stuff we're interested in trying to do. And I think I um, from, a, from a player perspective as well, a lot of players should be excited with the, the sort of canvas we've created with APB in itself. So um, while we've got great ideas over here, one of the things that Dave uh, Jones especially is pushing for is to to listen to the players' stories, to see what they create. Um, I mean, already in beta, we're seeing a lot of kind of exciting conflicts uh, sort of being created out of the, the gangs and the, the clans that people are already creating. So who knows, you know, moving forward, maybe we escalate some of the actual player clans. It's, it's it, it really is, uh, sky's the limit. Now, yeah, and, that, and that's... So and and that's definitely something we're you know we're interested in as well. It's like you know it's, if you know, players can start to develop new trends, new fashions, or stuff inside the game, that's the kind of thing where you know uh, you know we're happy to try and build on some of that or try and push that into the forefront. Or you know um, I think the players have got an opportunity to to, to st- tell uh, some of their storylines in in a more kind of permanent fashion, uh, you know, within the sort of fabric of the city. 
That sounds really, really exciting just to get that out there. I mean, I can only imagine, like in Halloween, you have a bunch of criminal players with their particular clan. They change their dress specifically for, you know, just raiding on Halloween day, you know, just doing yeah. something all dressed up like skeletons and setting the whole damn city on fire or something like that. That's got a lot of potential. That's very, very cool. Um, yeah. One thing I wanted to ask was... Um, we know that there are certain NPCs in the population that you're going to get to know. Obviously, you're going to get to know your your contacts and obviously, you know, the mayor and, and you know, all the various crime lords and whatnot leaders of factions. But um, about how many notable NPCs are we going to be are we going to be seeing? Um, I know it's a very player driven game in terms of story and whatnot. But as far as like guardrails, are you going to be strictly just, you know, enforcers versus criminals? Or are there going to be uh, like criminal NPCs that are kind of there as fodder to help you out, or even you know street cops, beat cops, things like that. Um, not so much. I mean, we've got uh, you know, so we do have like a, a very so you know a wide selection of sort of uh, the contacts, and then obviously got the general population. Um, to a certain extent, uh, you know, one of the things we're really sort of focusing on the game is making sure that in the way it's the players are at the forefront of all these actions and activities. So in a way, it was to more sort of focus on them. Uh, there's also a level where you know um, you, you know even pulling off the kind of level of uh, the sort of living city sort of stuff that we've got going on in the game already, it was, a, it was actually a huge technical challenge. I mean, not only with all the, the customization, all the things you can do, was making sure that we've got this uh, like a city that uh, isn't just uh, you know doesn't really react to you at all. I mean, our city does react. You can run over the population. You can do loads of things which a lot of these games hadn't done before. Um, but there's a level where if you get to the point of trying to put say beat cops in that can start firing back and you know like running around and policing, doing like policing activities and things, uh, you know, for our first release that was definitely one of the things we thought well that's probably going to be a step you know a step too far, um, you know, um, so that you know so there was kind of in a way there was a definite decision to, to think well this is more about the players. Um, one of the things to note there is um, a phrase we like to throw around a lot. Um, we have done a lot in the past is uh, players as content. Now, um, if you look at many other popular um, sort of open world games, when uh, you play a criminal, for example, uh, you become very notorious if for, you're running around blowing the heads off civilians and stealing cars and, and you know, performing criminal actions. We, we have that same metric in APB, but it's almost, well, it is players as content. Um, those, the police that we send after you are the enforcers. So, you know, if a criminal has done so much that evening, you know, he's been playing for a couple of hours and he's... He's just gone absolutely crazy. He hits what we call five stars in our heat metric, and all of a sudden he becomes unlocked to the entire district. So he, there, there are repercussions for those actions. Now, you're talking about, again, by not having the NPCs being the law, then you're having your, it's almost entirely, if not entirely, um, player-based. Are you going to be implementing any kind of for lack of a better term, class balancing so that there's an equal amount of enforcers versus criminals, or are you just going to leave it be a free-for-all? Um, essentially, it's, uh, it's more or less a free-for-all, though we do have sort of almost balancing, I suppose, at the extremes. So, you know, if you get to the point where, you know, it was going to be like 100% of the people wanted to get into a district and they all wanted to play enforcer, at that point, you know, it would be more of a case of, you know, we'd be sort of limiting uh, some of the extremes of that, uh, but we're happy for it to be kind of imbalanced to a certain degree. So it's not like a very rigid thing, you know. It's uh, we're making sure, uh, and you and I, and I suppose that it's you know um, in a way I suppose you could say we're lucky. Uh, but uh, from what we've seen so far, it's about fifty-fifty. That you know, there's. Uh, uh, I remember when we were making this game, there were a lot of people going, you know, uh, you know, enforcement. I don't know if anybody played that, and there's a lot of people going, oh, no, criminal, not so sure. And uh, but you know, when you look at the numbers, it's like. Uh, there's enough people out there who all want to play in those, you know, play in these two sides. 
But how many people are you? Do you have presently that are part of your beta versus your your testing team that you're telling them which to choose? So the um, the beta is run uh, in what are called kind of we have events uh, every uh, well periodically, um, and generally we've got around. Oof, about 1,500 people um, externally who play the game. So we, we're, we're actually quite surprised still that it is such a 50-50 split, and it, it falls naturally. Nice. Um, so it's it's definitely something we're monitoring, and we're going to be con- like constantly monitoring because we have ways and sort of things to, to be able to balance that out. But right now, we've just not seen any need for it. Yeah. Um, and, I, and, I, and I suppose as well, I think, you know, one of the things we're trying to make sure that when we're doing, when we're designing these sites, just make sure that they were kind of... Uh, I suppose very, uh, they're, they're much more sort of archetypes than they are, you know, so for instance, enforcement is not beat cops. It's not like sort of like your average police force wandering around the city. Uh, Sam Power actually has its own police force, uh, which is an organization called the, well, the, SP, the SPPD, the Sam Power Police Department. And, uh, you know, so and that's the normal cops. But essentially, you know, if you imagine story terms that the, the players have been brought in, the enforcers have been brought in to help those cops out because they just can't cope with the level of crime that's going on in the city. Uh, you know, so, uh, and enforcement really is an archetype. It's like if you want to play more like kind of uh, uh, SES style kind of cops, you want to play 70s cops, uh, you're free to do that. Uh, you're not being limited to like a very set dress code. You have to like, you know, uh, you know, troll in, in a certain way, do, you know, do a whole lot of things in a very restrictive manner. Uh, you've got as much freedom as uh, any of the, the criminal characters have. I saw some of the some of the characters you guys have created that look like the '70s cops with the aviator glasses, <laughs> yeah, the yeah. Beard, and like the handlebar mustache. That's now it's actually pretty cool. Um, <laughs> there's a there's a, a great uh, clan in uh, Abeta at the moment called the uh, SPSD, the uh, Sampara Sheriff's Department, and it's it's quite funny to see these guys. They you know when they're driving around town, they have their cruisers, they have their patrol cars, they have a very rich structure to their clan. So um, you know they've got beat cops, they've got sort of sheriffs, they've got all these different levels of police, but it's just amazing to see these guys drive around the city, you know, signal and wait at traffic lights for the other NPCs <laughs> and things like that. It's, that's uh, fantastic. Yeah, it's, just, it's great to see. Yeah, and I think that's a really good example of that type of thing of, you know, in a way, you know, it's almost it's almost at the level where if we'd actually put a, like actual active little NPC policemen on the, on the you know, in the city, that kind of would have spoiled that a little bit. You know, I love the fact that players have actually decided we're going to fill that gap and, and, and do that. Now, that being said, though, when you're talking about, and, and this is an, 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 having to do a little bit with this, but what's crossing my mind all the time, because they're, from what I've seen, because of the conflict, because it's, again, it, well, it's PvP, you against them kind of thing, and from what yeah. I've seen, you've got the delays from, especially for enforcers, if you kill them waiting for the respawn, versus the... Um, the um, if you arrest them that being said though are you finding in beta that anybody i mean you can only fight so long before you get bored of it like are there any ways that it's done like again going back to my example of rick's in a clan uh, uh of criminals i've got my enforcers they try to take up um a jewelry store, we catch them in the act, and then it's an all-out fight. Well, what's going to happen, I would assume, is just they die, we die, we respawn, we come back. Is there a point where there there can be a clear, okay, these guys win or not, or it's just a till everybody's bored and walks away? We're tired. So, so the, um, the structure that kind of 
takes place after well well let's let's start from the enforcer's point of view if they catch uh, a criminal in the act they witness them what happens is that enforcer group puts um, a witness into the pool of uh, of the matchmaking system now the likelihood is the system will turn around and match those two up and what you've got is almost a a sort of deathmatch scenario so if it's a group of say four criminals against a group of uh, three enforcers and the systems match them up and said right these guys are ready to fight it almost just says, right, it's the first uh, three kills. Or it's sometimes ah. the criminals might just need to escape for a period of time. Okay, that makes oh, sense. Okay, nice. so, yeah, so, so like if they if they get away and they are not spotted, in other words, and the system recognizes that the criminals have not been spotted, they're hiding in an alley or whatnot, and three minutes go by, then they succeed. They can go and turn in whatever they looted for cash credits, etc., right? That's right, and they'll probably get a little bit of a bonus for winning as well. Sweet. Cool. Um, one thing I did want to ask, because um, I'm going to be really drilling you guys about that matchmaking system in a bit, but uh, <laughs> uh, we've been playing a lot of, I mean, I've been playing a lot of MMOs. The original Grand Theft Auto Top Down was one of my favorite games and saw that, especially even the GTA series games, these are huge cities. So I kind of wanted to know how big exactly is San Paro? I mean, essentially, uh, uh, we've got. I suppose like three some main areas at launch. So we've got uh, the sort of financial area, and we've got the waterfront area, and we've got a kind of a social district area. And uh, so you know, so in terms of the actual, you know, and these are you know, I suppose like these are big enough areas to like drive in, and you can kind of lose yourself in there. They are big areas, uh, and they are also I suppose that they, they, they perform a dual purpose in that you can play on foot in them, uh, you know, like you know, run right across this, you know, through lots of interesting alleys and all that sort of stuff, as well as in your car. So it's not one of these games where you know we've made sure that okay, the car the car experience is fine, but the on foot experience kind of sucks because there's just no detail in there. Uh, so there's a lot of effort gone into making these spaces, and uh, also given our systems, then a lot of these spaces are replayable. It's like you'll come at them from different directions, you'll be doing different things in there, different whole different object sets of objectives. Uh, so the the amount of almost uh, I suppose real estate and replayability in there is is pretty pretty gigantic, uh, and it's been a really big effort to sort of test all that space because it's there's a lot of stuff going on in there. Uh, in story terms, there's a lot more there's there are more districts you know so we know about a lot there's a lot more groups that we know about there's a lot more spaces that we can have. Uh, that's all been sort of like you know we've got a lot of that stories all all waiting there. And again, depending on what the community kind of wants to do with the game, we'll, we'll use parts of that or take bits of it or modify it. And uh, you know, uh, there's plenty more sort of space that we can kind of introduce into the game. So obviously, I mean, you know, as a standard with these games, it's it's just the beginning is the, is the stuff that we'll have at the start. Yeah, there's a obviously the groundwork is being laid down, and, and we can see that it's very easy to to see how you, you know you've created a world, and from there any number of things can happen. Um, yes. Like there's from what I've seen with your podcasts and and, uh, and reading, it, it doesn't appear like there's going to be actually that much questing. Again, you've said it's going to be a lot more about your interactions with other players, but are there going to be like known characters, known NPCs in the game, that there is going to be a lot of lore attached to them in history and the game so that it doesn't feel like you're just grinding out daily missions like dailies in other MMOs kind of thing? Is there going to be more of that? Um, I mean, each of our contacts has a lot of sort of stories, uh, you know, that sort of backs them up. So in terms of like who they are, you know, what they do, uh, you know, what they're, they're, how they sort of fit inside the world. And, the, and a lot of this, sort of, this story we developed was to make sure that these characters, you know, it's almost that they brought a lot of the story with them as, as we kind of detailed them out. Uh, 
uh, in terms of sort of interact, you know, interactions with a lot of these different characters. Uh, again, I think you know to some extent, I think the you know we've made a kind of a definitely a very pragmatic decision to make sure that you know a lot of this stuff is set, it's kind of ready to go. Uh, when we start finding out more of the kinds of things that players want to do, then we'll start building more of that in. And I think that's one of the areas that uh, you know I'd definitely be very keen to to develop further is, is is that type of thing. It's like you know it's almost like when you were saying about some important guy turning up in the game. You know, to me it's about you know some important guy comes off a plane and suddenly a lot of things change because this this new guy has turned up. Uh, you know, and that's the kind of thing we want to sort of explore. I think you know in in the game going forwards. Um, one thing I kind of wanted to know is, are you? I know that you guys are. Basically, there's no treadmill in this game as far as gear or stats like there is in other games or whatnot. You know, uh, WoW, yeah. as a perfect example, you hit the end game, you spend however many hours getting there, and then you start playing the, you know, I got to get new gear and replace it by another plus one or plus two yeah. or so on and so forth. Yeah. Um, now, that's gating content for that particular game. Are you guys going to be doing that here? Because I know from uh, reading articles and watching the podcast or whatnot that you'll unlock specific clothing, weapons, vehicles, upgrades, etc. Are you going to be doing that with the story as well? I mean, are you going to be, you know, when an enforcer gets to, you know, rank 12 or whatever rank that he is, you know, one of the higher ranks of being an enforcer as far as experience in the game, is he going to be going to the mayor directly to get, you know, missions or, or stuff like that? Uh, I mean, one of the things we've got in there, I suppose, is that we've got, I suppose, some of the beginnings of that kind of thing because we we do have the the contacts do start to kind of respond to you. And if you're, if you're kind of, um, well, I suppose, I guess a couple of things. One is that the contacts are kind of all arranged in a kind of a hierarchy. So the contacts you start dealing with at the start are all kind of low level guys, uh, and the missions and things that you're doing will be kind of more the kind of more go for things. They're more about kind of street level. Uh, doing you know doing stuff for the you know doing stuff for the organization. The higher you go up, the more you start dealing with more important kind of uh, contacts in that in that organization. Uh, and eventually, you know, if you do if you do well playing the game, you'll be you're basically working with like the head of that organization. And at that point as well, then then you're sort of dealing with more you know slightly more in depth or more. I kind of, you know, I suppose I have to be careful about how to say this, but like more, almost like more managerial style things. And what I mean by that is you're more into the, into the guts of the organization. You're doing the, you know, the more important stuff that, that they can only trust, uh, you know, the, the more trusted individuals to do. Uh, so, you know, it's, um, so I think, you know, there's a definite feeling of kind of progression where you're, it's almost like you're doing street level stuff, you know, like drop this off, pick that up, uh, you know, uh, you know, other, you know, and that's not to say that that stuff is not going to be interesting or fun because there's a lot of stuff to that, uh, but it changes, I suppose, shape as you progress. Now, is that you personally, the, the solo player, or is there going to be interaction wherein it's your clan, um, aka guild, who then is taking orders from whichever boss? Um, to a certain extent, it's really... Uh, we're tracking a lot of, sort of we'll track a lot of stats to do with the actual organization itself. So um, you know, so there is stuff where you're kind of you know you're you, I suppose you're building things together. Uh, but one of the things we, I suppose, you know we have to we had to kind of do with it was make sure that it responds to individual players as an individual as well. Uh, so there's a bit of that, uh, but I would say probably the primary focus is more on you as, a, as an individual. Uh, but again, you know, you can create, you know, your your sort of larger team structures, uh, and you know, and if everybody's working for like you know a particular organization, then you're going to get the, the stats and things that will track that. 
Um, one thing I kind of wanted to know now, I, this is probably a, a community, a more of a community kind of question, but um, are you guys going to maybe do like a wiki or just add on to your existing website, all just the basic information of this stuff as you guys get closer to launch? Because right now, I'll be honest with you, I am scouring the web trying to find, <laughs> you know, any kind of nugget of information, you know, possibly a so, bait invite, but you know. So, <laughs> <laughs> that's you and a heck of a lot of other people. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, so communicating APB um, has been a very, very interesting uh, thing for us here at, uh, at Real Time Worlds now. Um, when you come into the online space, there are, there are many sort of rigid perceptions already in place. I mean, you've already touched on games like, you know, World of Warcraft and you know, Warhammer, Lord of the Rings. Now, it's very important to, to, to know that APB is, it's an online game. Uh, it's got a high level of persistence, but at its core, it's an action shooter more than it is a role-playing game. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you try and you sort of, you put the images out there, you, uh, you know, we, we do the podcasts, there's still this sort of level of perception that it's, it's going to be World of Warcraft, but with guns, or it's going to be, you know, uh, Grand Theft Auto, but just online. Um, and it's, it, it isn't really either of those things. It draws and takes a lot of inspiration from those things. Um, but it's, it's, very, it's, it's so unique almost that it's, it's tough for players to kind of understand without playing it. So for us, we've got to be really, really careful with how we message things, how we message the game itself. And so, you know, as we start to build the ramp up to launch, you're going to see a heck of a lot more information flowing out of us. Um, the website, when it fully launches, um, you know, the community site itself is going to be the, the number one source of information. Um, but we also have other sites like uh, APB Evolved um, who, you know, really support and we try and help those guys as much as we can. So you will see a heck of a lot more information coming out of us over the coming months. Yeah, that that actually is a great site. It's one of the sites I frequent the most. Um, I, I was kind of wondering. You know, you mentioned leaderboards. Are you guys talking basically where maybe we'll be able to see that information offline, like as in not in the game itself? Yes, um, the game will kick out a heck of a lot of statistics. Um, now, what we'll be doing is I can't remember the actual number. Maybe you know, kick out the number of leaderboards we'll actually have at the end. There is a lot. Yes. <laughs> so. Um, yeah, we're going to be putting all these statistics onto, say, the community site as well as every other site uh, that, that we put out there. Um, and basically, players won't just become, you know, celebrities within the gaming world for being having the most kills or having the most popular clan or having the most friends. You know, the person that dies the most, the person that misses the most shots, the most, the person that's taken the most damage overall. You know, all these statistics and, and league tables are going to be there for players to drill down into. If I could make one suggestion, it would be to develop an iPhone app (laughs) this is something that some of the other games have done which i think is fantastic if you're able to go on your iphone to either chat with your clan set up heist or enforcement tours or um even a mini kind of shop if you were selling your your designs or things like that because you're going to set it up as well that you can you can sell your your tattoos and your clothing are you not Mm mm-hmm that's right. Yeah. So yeah, something like that where you have the means of doing it outside of the game as well would be absolutely just killer. Would be so cool. Well, who knows what the future has in store, hey? Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> talking about the clans and whatnot, what kind of, like, what's going to be involved in the clan? Like, I mean, how close is it to the traditional MMO guild kind of thing? Or, or is it going to be just a bunch of guys that can just get together? 
So the structure and the, um, I suppose, the tools that we all supply are, are very, very similar to the, the the standard guild system. You know, the the clan leader. Um, you know, we just replaced the word guild with clan. I suppose that the, the clan leader can create officers. He can create his own ranks. Um, he can set his own symbol as the clan symbol. He and uh, you know, there's a, I think it's around 150 people per clan. Um, so there's there's plenty of space for people to expand, and as we've seen already in beta, people are creating you know sub sub clans and different branches to try and uh, to really push a certain image across into Samparo. Is there going to be any kind of guild housing or anything like that at some point? Um, not of not at launch. Um, I can say that much, but it's definitely something we're looking into because it's been you know it's it, it's been a very popular thing, a very popular discussion point. Yeah, if you're. If you're looking at it in terms of, again, whether it's your criminals or your enforcers, some kind of hideout where they can have their client meetings or whatever as well would certainly immerse you in that world even more. Yeah. And uh, for sure. I mean, it's the kind of thing, you know, if you, if, I guess, you know, a bunch of criminals you can meet in the, I don't know, like a, an abandoned opera house or something, then uh, you're a certain type of criminal. Now, that being said, though, is there going to be, again, you were saying that there'll be some places where you can interact with them. So if there is an actual abandoned place, can it become something then that the players just adopt as their place? You know what I mean? So, I mean, it's it's been quite an interesting thing for us to watch in that... Um, both criminals and enforcers can cross-communicate. You know, we've got the uh, the sort of world... Well, the open world VoIP. So if you're stood next to a criminal and you're an enforcer, you can actually just chat, you know, over the voice system. We've also got text-based chat as well. Um, and it's it, we have seen people patrol almost like turf, um, you know, just driving around a certain area and, and guarding it from other criminals because, you know, enforcers can witness them. And so it really it's going to be watching the players and see how they, you know, adapt to that or, you know, certain things they might start to do. What is some of the coolest stuff you've been actually seeing people doing that you hadn't expected? Um, a lot of the, <laughs> a lot of the, some of the enforcers um, have been uh, following uh, a lot of the sort of more notorious clans, and to some level it frustrates them. But at the end of the day, if a, if a criminal wants to get away with something, they can't do it in broad daylight. <laughs> you know, I just thought of my, I just thought of real quick that you know, being able to talk to the person I'm about to engage in a firefight has got the potential for some of the greatest trash talking and flame. <laughs> yep. But um that that's that's very, very cool. Uh, you you mentioned the the fact that you can get five stars, you can be you know get notorious and whatnot. Uh one thing I kinda wanted to know is if you become notorious, be it as an enforcer or as a criminal uh, obviously, you're going to have both, um, let's just say, fact, you're going to have both factions or different organizations going after you, want to be flagged for you for a bounty or whatnot. But will the city, because we, we know it's a living city, will that react differently to you based on your, you know, if you're notorious, like a criminal that burns down an entire city block, you know, as an arsonist or whatnot, whatever do you guys have in plan, um, will then, as that criminal moves by, you know, other shops, will they start freaking out, wondering if he's going to set, you know, their shop on fire, something like that? I mean, the Living City, to a certain extent, will um, generally react to players' uh, actions. So, if a, if a criminal is at a certain level of notoriety and they, you know, drive past guns blazing, the Living City will just, you know, scatter. The, they'll cower. They'll run away. They'll try and dodge out the way of cars if they're heading straight towards them. So, there is a certain element of that, um, but it's it's definitely something we're looking at post-launch 
because it's uh, the Living City are a very interesting element of APB. It's uh, they're almost like a resource, to put it yeah. in a, a very blunt way. Well, are you guys gonna the city? Is it gonna be dynamic, like um, a bridge being built over a period of time as you're kind of unlocking more content? You know, post launch when you guys do stuff. I mean, when we get the retail, the initial launch, are we gonna have parts of the city that are under construction? I know that you mentioned. Um, you can have certain districts where you can capture territory. Is it going to be something like that? Are we going to get to see – I go into a territory at night with my friends, four hours. We fight to own it as enforcers. I wake up the next morning. Criminals have pretty much taken it over from us, that sort of thing. Uh, a lot of these ideas have actually you know, have been discussed. So you know, in a way um, – and obviously you know, it's uh, – you know, we're busy looking at like the next batch of things that we're you know we're going to put into the game. So a lot of these things have been discussed. Are you looking at putting it in via uh, a DLC kind of thing? Um, we don't know. We well, we've got an idea of what we want to do with things. Um, updates themselves are going to be sort of uh, message nearer the time. Um, we're we're yet to talk about a business model or anything like that. So um, we'll have a we'll have a better public idea close to launch. Yeah, because we're seeing a lot more of that now with game developers that are creating a lot more downloadable content that they then trickle through later on for whatever charge kind of thing. And being that you guys are going to be, um, it's going to be online. Are you still guy, guys still actually planning the 360 version or is that like indefinitely shelf now? So the, um, the first launch will definitely be PC only. Um, but then once we've got the PC only version out of the way and we're happy with ha how APB is, um, we'll start looking at things like console releases. Yeah, because that's a whole other beast right there. It really is. Oh, yes. I guess the, the last thing that I actually made a note of that I had to ask was, uh, I want a little bit of detail, if you can, on the matchmaking and the threat rank system. Because it seems like right now, from everything that I've read and what you guys are saying, and which is why I'm you know, going out of my mind in this interview is this game seems fucking amazing. But the gameplay, if I get pitted against over and over and over again, a bunch of criminals that have better guns, more experience, or just basically destroy my ass every single time I get pitted against them, that's going to break the gameplay. I mean, how does the threat system work? How does the, the matchmaking system work? So the first Im important point to really mention there is that APB is a lot – it revolves around skill more than it does the sort of items that you have. So generally what, what we have seen, and I've seen this a lot because I'm not the best APB player on the planet, um, <laughs> is people who come into the game for the first time um, can really stand up. You know, we give them – they might have basic equipment for the very, very first set of missions, but they very, very quickly get – you know, a, a, a rifle or a submachine gun or a light machine gun, um, and they can very, very quickly begin to hold their own. And if it, if you're a good player um, and you're pitted against, you know, some criminals who are completely kitted out to the teeth in the, all the weaponry they could possibly unlock, it doesn't mean you don't stand a chance. Now, I think there's about a 20% difference between uh, a player who has got the top kit and a player who's coming in for the first time as far as sort of statistics are concerned because players can modify their equipment. Uh, they can modify the characters to a certain extent. So maybe they like sh uh, submachine guns. Uh, they make a modification to it so it has a slightly better reach or um, it can hold more ammunition or it's got a faster reload time. Um, and what you really start to find is that it's not down to the player's... Uh, individual statistics or you know what they've got unlocked but more to how they work as a team or how the player if it's an individual or a solo player how um the tactics that they use to get around certain situations 
And this was the other thing with uh, a lot of the weapons that we have and a lot of the equipment is that a lot of it was designed to give you a sort of a situational advantage. So it's not that there's one overarching gun that's better than everybody else's gun. It's like you've got a gun that's maybe got long range, uh, but it's got like a you know sort of a slow fire rate or something like that. So you know, or it's got good penetration against vehicles, but it's not so good at people or you know these sorts of things. So it's almost that uh, it sort of uh, encourages specialization. And at that point, then you're not going to be the best in every situation. So you, so you get interesting tactics developing with the players where they're trying to play to their strengths and if you've got other people doing that then it makes a much more interesting multi-layered sort of experience where you know everybody's trying different ways to try and get uh, get at their opposition uh, and I suppose the other thing is that a lot of the stuff scalable so again it's things like you know if you're out there and you thought man I just got hammered in that last match and you think well I can, you know I'll, I'll try grouping up for a little while you know and you can kind of do that you know so there's there's opportunities where you know you can you can play as much solo as you like you know I tend to actually solo quite a lot uh, when I'm in the game but uh, you can uh, you know you can group up you can find other people uh, you can make a bigger group you can like gather people that are good at playing the game in certain ways and you know a game because they're using their weapon in certain ways and uh, you know and you can sort of build up a kind of a team that's good at certain types of things or whatever or try to go you know, a bit more general so there's a lot of choices about you know how you want to play and sort of how you approach the game when you're talking about the um, the, the combat have do you guys still have it so that it, there's no zoning on the characters whether you hit them on the foot or the head it's still a kill that's right, yes. Yeah. Is there any chance that that may change at some point, even if it's just... You've already talked about um, having the, the chaos rule set, so like you'll have that available as well. Is this something that you would consider for yet another rule set where it would be actual um, targeting then makes a difference? I mean, what we've, what we've seen right now is that the, the action is so fast-paced that um, the, the different levels of targeting kind of spreads the, the, the skill set too wide. So you've got people who are just starting out against those top people. Um, there is, it, it takes that sort of 20% margin and increases it massively. So it's definitely something we're monitoring. You know, um, Ideas have been thrown around internally, so you never know. We may have a separate district. We may change the rule set completely. I guess you'll just have to wait and see. Oh, I, dude, we cannot wait. <laughs> and with yeah. that, I'm going to let you find Gentleman Go. Thank you very much for joining us, answering all of these questions patiently. We do appreciate it. Um, you guys are still aiming for a spring release, correct? Yes, that's yes. correct. When yes. do you think you're going to be able to actually announce an, uh, a date? Um, to be determined, I'm afraid. <laughs> So, so you, right. <laughs> the, the date is not only determined, but the day you'll be able to give a date, that's to be determined as well. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah, just, just keep checking. I, out actually, I actually had one last question. How is that? How's the beta going for you right now? I mean, a lot of I, that's kind of a loaded question, but I mean, do you see just do you see a lot of people really enjoying the game you want the way that you want them to enjoy? Are they just surprising you constantly now? To be honest, yes, um, it's been a great process so far. Um, we've, you know, as far as the beta is concerned, we're uh, we're getting all the feedback we want. The player base we have right now are extremely dedicated. They they get the game. Um, they get what we're trying to do. You know, betas are often a bit of a roller coaster ride as 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 far as um, performance or bugs is concerned, because it's a it's a very fast paced environment for us to be hammering out updates to get new features in there. And then to get the feedback, um, and then you know make those changes necessary. So it's been a it's been a roller coaster of experience so far, and hopefully will continue to be. Um, and you know we'll be getting new people in uh, all the time, and uh, we're just we're just excited uh, as hopefully everyone else is to uh, get people's feedback. 
Oh yeah, we will be there day one without a doubt. We are. We're both <laughs> guys. We're big in this game. Yeah, we're both big Left 4 Dead fans and Borderlands and things like that. And here you've taken that and and multiplied it by a hundred. So it's going to be that much cooler to just bounce into a first person shooter and yet still have a persistence as well. So again, we cannot wait for this game to come out. We will be there day one with our money. So you will have our money at the very least. Uh, thank you again for coming <laughs> out. We do appreciate it. And the show will be available on Wednesday. Great. Thanks, guys. Very nice to speak to you. Catch Thanks you later. Again, Bye-bye. Guys. All right. Take care, guys. Bye you too. Bye. My name is Joe, and I am from For the Lore. Today's feature, I'm going to be talking about Space of the Final Frontier, a direct comparison of EVE Online and Star Trek Online and their various ship combats. First, I'm going to start by talking about EVE Online. EVE Online is definitely the biggest, baddest space MMO there is currently. In there, ship combat is pretty much the only type of combat you're going to see. Your character never gets out of the ship. But there are some very large distinctions that, that mark this type of combat. Combat in EVE Online is very heavily gear-based. The better your gear is, the more likely you are to come out on top. An even match could be whoever gets the luckiest shot, whereas if you outgear the opponent, which tends to be the combats that you want to get into, you will invariably win. Combat in EVE Online is also doesn't require a whole lot of strategy. You set your weapons to active, you lock onto a target, and your ship does pretty much everything for you. Close and defense systems as well as your weaponry will do everything you need it to do by itself. It's very automatic. It's a very cinematic experience, but it's something that's more cinematic from the point of view of a viewer. If you're sitting down watching a movie of, of space battles, that would be more akin to what EVE Online is like. It's a numbers game. Honestly, if you're having problems with a certain sector, let's say you're in null, null sec space where there's no security whatsoever, and you get blown up by somebody who has better gear than you, you can send out a call to your corporation, get five of your friends, come back in, and you can nine times out of ten you're going to house the shit out of that person. So you can swarm somebody and absolutely obliterate them. This compensates for the gear, so either if you have the better gear, or if you have better numbers, you're more likely to win. It's not as exciting, I'll be perfectly honest. The first time that I engaged in ship-to-ship combat in EVE Online was when I got jumped by a ship larger than I was, and I was doing nothing but mining an asteroid. I was just trying to do my little trade profession, and I got blown up. Had to make a call out to a couple friends, they warped in into my sector, came to where I was, and proceeded to gang-rape the guy. So yeah, it's it's not nearly as exciting as it possibly should be for something like ship-to-ship combat. Now comes along Star Trek Online, and as some of you have known or have been able to see, gotten into the beta, ship combat here is taken on an entirely new form. Um, ship combat in Star Trek Online is equal parts skill and gear. How you outfit your ship will definitely define its function, whether it's a tank, a DPS, a buffer, a debuff monkey, um, and so on and so forth, but the skill of the player and the ability to trigger the right abilities and use your officers on the bridge effectively counts for as much, if not more, than the gear you have outfitted on the ship. 
combat in Star Trek Online between ships is also very active. It's more like a PvP battle in an MMO that you're used to, World of Warcraft or Ion even. The combat system requires you to participate. You don't just set things and forget them. You have to move your ship. You have to divide power between shields. You have to be able to arrange your ship to, to take maximum effect of all of your abilities. And you don't just toggle your weapon on and forget about it. You have to press it to attack with each time. And this is important because you have a wide array of weapons. You have torpedoes and phasers that affect your forward and your aft. And being able to choose which one you fire off can make all the entire difference in the battle. That brings us to the next cool thing about ship combat in Star Trek Online. Ship combat in Star Trek Online is very strategic. Placing yourself in the right manner, using the environment like hiding behind asteroids and blocking line of sight, it counts for a lot. Uh, you have a lot of tools at your disposal. Knowing when to use them can make all the difference in the entire world. That said, it is a very cinematic experience, but it's a very cinematic experience from the point of view of more like a director and an actor type, as opposed to just somebody from the outside looking in. This is a very beautiful scene. I mean, combat between different things. You can range your camera around and see the different combat. And when you start picking off multiple ships, when you start targeting multiple ships and combating multiple ships, you start to see th basically what it would be a beautiful battle, you know, power blooms, explosions, phasers, torpedoes, everything going off around you, and you have direct control over all of it. It really ramps up the excitement factor, a big deal compared to what we're used to. Y you participate, and when you, when you finish the battle, when you first down in the tutorial, you down that Borg probe, you feel excited. When you down the Borg cube, even more so, when you find the Borg spear, oh my god. It was one of the most exciting things to actually be able to live through that combat and go ahead and say victory. The same goes on later on. Now, it does have the different trappings, like it does have a lot of, like, go kill ten of this type quest. But when you're done, a lot of those battles are really hairy and they're really um, difficult. They're really, you know, they force you to use strategy as well as the weapons that you have, as well as your first officer, and as well as your engineering crews. The whole nine, it forces you to use everything. And because of that, when you claim victory over, let's say, five birds of prey, you feel excited. You feel like you've accomplished a little bit of something. And that goes a long way. Um, the combat system is also very reactionary. Uh, you have to choose which shield you face towards your enemies. Um, you just Generally, you find yourself participating more. And that really, really helps you immerse yourself in actual combat for the characters, or for the ships in general. And to bring it back to point, there's a lot of a lot of point people that are comparing the two, obviously, since Eve is the the first space MMO to really hit it big, and Star Trek Online is going to be the second one to hit it that big that involves ships and outfitting and combat and gear. And I think that also is something to say. The difference between the two really is night and day. Whereas I could set a combat in Eve Online and walk away for 20 minutes, 30 minutes, and come back. I can't do that in Star Trek Online. I have to participate. I have to manage my resources. I have to manage my shields. I have to watch my health of the ship. I have to watch the combat around me and worry about the people around me. And it's a very different experience. 
In EVE Online, the ships don't have very distinct roles. A destroyer is a destroyer is a destroyer. You can have a mining vessel that has teeth. You can have a, a ship that's primarily designed to be a mining vessel, but then holds a ton of cannons that will just blow something out of the water. You can retrofit it to pretty much do anything you want, and that's kind of nifty. But in Star Trek Online, you can really, really, I mean, you can customize your ships for sure, but you can really def define its role. You can have a ship that is your traditional MMO tank. It's very good at absorbing damage and drawing fire. It's very good at bringing its shields back up. It's very good at recovering. It's very good in general defense. You can have a ship that is a damage monkey. You can have a ship that specializes purely in bringing down shields and opening up holes in the defenses in order to let the torpedoes through. You can have ships that specialize in debuffing the enemy, scrambling shields, scrambling calls for help, decloaking. You can have a ship that specializes in buffing the fleet around it that will take the tank and give it a little more extra shield power or will take a damaging ship, uh, like an escort class ship, and give it a little more power on its phasers. It rewards you more for working together, too. In EVE Online, you can have an entire squadron, but you don't generally affect everybody around you. In Star Trek Online, your ships have a direct effect on all of them, everything around you. So if you have a couple cruisers and you have a couple escorts and you have some science vessels, they were all going to feed off of each other in that combat. They're all going to offer unique traits, very much similar to any traditional MMO when you have a group where you have a tank, you have your healer, you have your damage, you have your crowd control, and you have your utility. It allows you to define the role of your ship more than just broad utility. You could certainly can be broad utility, but it rewards you more for having that defined role. And it, in general, it just feels more exciting. It, I feel it gives you a little more customization, a little more control, that you don't have to rely on 15 of your friends to come and save you if you're doing a solo mission and somebody happens to PvP snipe you. You can then go ahead and deal with it yourself. You can be fitted and you can refit your ship to fill those different roles. If you know you're going to go to a major fleet action, you can define your role and enjoy a glorious cinematic combat with you and your comrades. If you want to go out on your own, you can outfit your ship to be a survival monkey if you so feel like it. The comparison between the two really is night and day. Eve set the bar pretty high for glorious ship combat. Star Trek Online has taken it and raised that bar even further. I can't wait to see the live release and see live PvP battles go on because I want to see strategy and skill directly correlate into glorious, cinematic, beautiful combat. So just to sum it up, in the end, I would have to say that Star Trek Online is the clear victor in ship combat, and I hope to see them take this and raise it even further. I hear the train Oh, and Joe did make it. Looky, looky. We has a Joe. Hey, Joe. Yules? What an awesome interview! <laughs> <laughs> hey, I figured uh, I've had two fanboy moments. You could you could have one. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> he almost did a hooks, man. <laughs> it's like Christ. I wish I had a leash, a virtual leash on him and just say, heal, goddammit. Hello, tarts. We love you. But yeah, they, who's who's cool? You can raid shops, raid porn shops. Man, that's gonna be. They, they didn't confirm awesome. the porn shops though. <laughs> no, nah, I mean I don't. In Hook's mind, shop. it's already been confirmed. Don't worry. Yeah.
Like, he survived without a scratch on him. He was wearing a seatbelt. I thought, if you're going to kill yourself, why do you wear your seatbelt? <laughs> That's not exactly thinking ahead there. <laughs> it was, it was oh. fucking hilarious. The Lego Universe MMO. Oh, dude. Watch the trailer. <laughs> yeah, oh. the trailer like, holy crap. They made Legos I want to really, play that. Really cool. I'm like, yeah. What I, I wanted to bring back all of my old Legos, you know, yeah, man, they had like all the old, like the Knights one and the airplanes and all that shit. I'm like, damn, that's my childhood. How can you make a Lego MMO? Hey, shut up. We're going to talk about it in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> you want to just go through everything? I know you like, the, you got that premature ejaculation problem we were talking it's, about it's earlier, seven, but it shouldn't apply to this. My point in exactly. Start the show. Do your little intro. Well, don't be condescending. <laughs> you're telling me not to be condescending. You're making fun of my ejaculate. Your ejaculate? Your ejaculate. Oh, my God. Okay, Rick, before the next show, memorize Read a thesaurus. Book. No, no. Mem memorize an entire thesaurus just so you can shut Roger up with your command of the English language because you're not doing anything to help your case right now, buddy. Command of the English. Uh, I'd, I'd settle for decent fart jokes from him, really. Like, you guys are such anything would be better. <laughs> <laughs> Tart, stop messaging me. I can't hear you. I'm, I'm just, I can't read three fucking things at the same time. <laughs> okay. The week after that is our episode 20. Which is another Drunk Tank episode. Yep. Baha! I already have my drink set aside. I got a nice bottle of port that is... Just for that episode, I have two bottles of wine. I have a brand new bottle of tequila, and I have a <laughs> bottle of Jack Daniel's Green Label. Let's party! You have got to be willing to join us in our ass hattery. I was the guy that stood on the table and said, "Hey, fruitcake, give me my goddamn beer!" <laughs> Holy shit! Oh my god, dude, this is fucked up. I have you know, that. That's funny. That's funny because now I can officially say that I talk shit about you to my friends. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody was laughing. The hell is wrong with you? I didn't know. Well, this is that's what constitutes a surprise. Okay, so how can I spoil something I didn't know about? My you, point exactly. <laughs> just, just can you be patient for a moment? All right, so they're ready. Somebody else, however, is not. Oh, god damn, it. Rick! What did you do? What did you do? Hurry up! They are waiting. What kind of swear is ass censored? Censored. What comes after that? I'm, I'm assuming there's a hole there. Um, asshole. What? Asshole fuck? Asshole bitch? Asshole. Randomly? Just random curse words? Just toss in whatever you want randomly is what you're saying. Is that how Cubans swear? There's no rhyme or reason to it. It's just complete randomness. And stop typing and fix the problem. Fucking stupid, stonking, con son of a bitch and fucking goddamn it. Shut up. We don't have time for that. Right. There's way too many. Just shut, just shut up. I'm calling them in. They've been waiting five minutes. 
It's funny that, Chris, this is kind of matter of course for our show. Except this time, <laughs> I'm not responsible. <laughs> it's not yeah, me. Except, except this time, it isn't all the cables catching fire that are dank over your head right now. So as long as, oh, every, there, that's, that's me back. as long as everybody in the audience can appreciate that this time it wasn't me, I'm, I'm all right. You guys can drop us off. To, <laughs> you make us look better by doing that. <laughs> if you were too professional, yeah, you would make us look in- bad. <laughs> Actually, before we go on from there, we do have a Scott in the audience, his regular listener of the show, and he what he is suggesting is he wants to be able to raid porn shops. So it is a mature game. If you guys can make that happen, you'll make one of your own very happy. Well, we'll we'll see what we can do. <laughs> you see, Hoogs is going off in the chat room right now. As happy as can be. You know, when I actually went away there, that was me typing, <laughs> sending that suggestion in. <laughs> Thank you, Roger. Thank you for this. Thank you so goddamn much. You know what? I hope that they hear this part on on Wednesday because I am fucking flipping out right now. The last question I wanted to ask was, can I play the game now? I mean, I don't care if it's bugged out to hell. Why is it playing back what I said? What the crap is that? (laughs) 